Welcome, welcome back, everybody. Oh, I just wrapped up a really good, fun podcast. I say that every time. You guys are probably sick of hearing me say that. But then when you hear the podcast, you're like, oh, wait, he was right. He wasn't lying. Today, I got Curtis. He is one of uh, probably the best bartenders in Kansas City. A really crazy story. Good story. I mean, he's, listen to this. He's one of the best bartenders in Kansas City. And the dude is sober. But... Hang on to your seats, guys. Great episode. We talk drugs, lots of drugs, lots of uh, punk rock. Uh, We talk some scotch, whiskey, and we just have a good time. Curtis has a fascinating life, a fascinating, interesting life. He's a really smart, intriguing dude uh, and just just a gentleman. And uh, I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. Um, Be sure if you guys would like to... Support me. You can do that at uh, patreon.com slash neandertalkpodcast. And uh, you can sign up for a dollar a month for the podcast. You can sign up for $5 a month or $25 a month. and uh, Or you guys can keep getting it for free. But, uh, you know, if you want to support me, that would be pretty awesome. Also, I have a new YouTube channel out, everybody. It is uh, just Ryan Westa where uh, I go out and have fun in Kansas City and uh, record myself doing like a little vlog. There's different cutscenes. there's music, and then I do a pink drink review. If you guys watch me on Instagram, you know I like my pink drinks. Um, I don't know. That's my commercial about myself. I hope you guys have been enjoying the podcast, and um, I don't know what else to say. I love all of you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for supporting. And uh, boom, Sherlock, boom. We are out of here. Enjoy this episode, episode number 150. Welcome to the Inner Talk Podcast. We'll know topic is off. Now here's your host, my daddy, and Void of Soul. Thank you for coming to the Inner Talk Podcast. Boom, Sherlock, boom. One, two, three, three, two, one. Here we go. Curtis, what's up, man? How we doing? We're doing good. Uh, I ran into you or met you through Dapper. Dapper Latino, Joshua, man. And uh, at this, I, I, when he was on the podcast, I explained my whole introduction to meeting him because it was the first time I met him. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I told him he ambushed me by <laughs> bringing me into that kind of event at that bar. I never, I've never heard of the Monarch. I mean, I heard of it, but I didn't know what it was. I just thought it was another bar. I didn't know it was like a fancy bar. Yeah, we a little highfalutin, man. <laughs> Very highfalutin. I go in there with some <laughs> shitty khakis and a T-shirt, and it's like a modeling <laughs> yeah. event. I'm like, damn. Yeah, straight. I mean, listen, you <laughs> could have been brought in for a worse event. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, at least there was, like, beautiful people everywhere and shit. Yeah. I, that kind of place seems like it's nothing but beautiful people all the time. I mean, yo, it's a thing. I mean, it's it's weird. So, like give you a little background on me i've only been out in kc for about two two years will be september 16th for me okay so i moved out from seattle and uh me and my wife and uh it's been a it's been an adjustment out here a little bit for sure how long were you, have you been in were you in seattle i was there for 13 years i moved up there in 2006 and then uh my wife was there since 97 so i mean she's oh. 22 years when we left um we love it it's just you know fuck i'm not a millionaire so like I don't really have an option of buying a house. You know what I mean? Like we can't really focus up on becoming permanent there when everything is always temporary. The neighborhood we were living in, average like median household price for like a two bedroom was about 1.4. And I mean, that's like the 
neighborhood. You know what I mean? <laughs> so we were just like, all right, well, if we're going to get forced out of the city, where do we want to go? So we ended up deciding my dad lives out in Holt, like about like right outside. Holt, Missouri. Yeah, right outside Kearney. He's like in the, he's off the grid. Yeah, yeah. But we've been out like seven, eight times over the years to just go, you know, see him and we go tool around in the city, bars, whatever. Okay. We always had a good time. So nice. we're like, if we're not going to be in Seattle, I don't want to live in fucking Tacoma and like drive 45 minutes into the city, you know, all that bullshit. So I was just like, you know what? Screw this. Let's just make a big move. Fuck it. Dope. Dude, so, that is so cool. I mean, it's, I, I was, I'm, you know, not to get crazy heavy. My wife got in a really bad motorcycle accident about six years ago. So we wanted to slow down her pace of life too. Cause okay. like she had to get like seven surgeries. She was in ICU for six days, oh my like God. double lung collapse. She had 20% chance of surviving crazy. Right. So we wanted to slow down her pace of life a little bit because she just can't operate on that level that you have to in seattle to like make seattle work what do you mean so her energy levels from all these like she had to have her spleen removed she had hyperthyroidism act up because of that like just all these like kind of like this chain of events from her endocrine system being off the hours she had to work to just survive and you know pay rent. okay she, seattle was like okay you know, I got you gotta, you. My 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 weeks there were like five six day weeks twelve hour days, just grinding. Is and, that, and that's just to keep up, just kind of. I mean, I did to, I did fucking well, you right? Know I mean? Like I wasn't poor poor, or anything right? Like that, like you know, I made like ninety bartending, which is pretty solid for anywhere you go. But it was also like you know, I was at one of the best bars in the city, and you know, my wife had to have insurance and she had to have her own set of like you know her, her own right. spending money and everything. Yeah, so yeah. it's like we weren't doing bad, but we weren't. It wasn't going towards anything permanent. Mm -hmm. So when we came out here, we were like, you know, I was like, yo, there's like three games I want to play at in this town. One was Monarch. Uh, Manifesto was a, another legendary bar. They've been uh, uh, Manifesto was like one of the one of the OG bars out here that brought cocktailing to the light. But as far as execution and stuff goes, what I was coming from was I was like, I want to go to Monarch. Finally got the opportunity to work there, which is great. But yeah, it's it's very like, you know, keeping up with the Johnsons. Some people just go there to be seen. Okay. And, you know, do their thing. Whatever, oh, that's okay. Whatever I mean, that is. You know what I mean? Like money plays differently and everybody uses their own. Everybody has their own machinations that they deal with. Right. I've just been doing this for 12 years. So for me, like they all people, you know what I mean? Right. Like doesn't matter to me if you're like, you know, whatever, plastic surgery, up, Botox, all that shit. That don't do it for me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I married my wife because she's amazing. And she's a 10. Not nice. because I was like, oh, you seem like you could, like, you know, got some work done on the nose. You know, like, oh. <laughs> do you see that? What kind of conversations oh, I mean, do you see in there I, like that? I, I mean, you, if you don't want to call any of them out, that's fine. Yo, but <laughs> at, at, the, at, like, I put it this way. So, like, I've met a few people through these, like, um, these, like, events that they do. Like, when we opened Vertigree, right? I was on opening team for that. And when we opened there, they had, like, an influencer night. Now, call me an old fuck. But okay, you're an old fuck. <laughs> straight up, I was like, what the fuck is an influencer? You know what I mean? Like, what is it? Oh, and then it was God. all, it was all, oh, this is my Instagram, da, da, da. I didn't have Instagram for six years. Oh, good for you. But I moved to KC. I realized I don't fucking know anybody out here, like yeah. minus one person. So I was like, maybe I should give them like a, a base. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, okay. So I was like, well, I'll reactivate that old bad boy. But it was also like. We go out there and it's just like this crazy. It's so like, so I'm from California originally. Okay. Shit, remind me of LA. I fucking hate LA. Right. 
I don't know shit about LA. I've never been to LA. I've never even been to California. Mm-hmm. And I hate to admit that because I do really want to go. But of course, I, I mean, have the internet and I'm aware of, of the of the kind of vibe and and that kind of trend that you see out oh, there. And, I, and I, I couldn't imagine it being. It's not. It's I like not, genuine shit. You yeah, know, it's not everybody in LA is like fake as shit. Just right. Like when you surround when you have an industry that is that encompasses a city like that right mm-hmm. it, it forces it, it the game that's played is how you get made so like that's who is who shines the most out there you go out to like inglewood or, or venice beach ain't no fake like ain't no fake bullshit out there okay like it's a i mean listen venice is on some wild shit like it's some weird surfer kind of hippie <laughs> shit like i ain't down with it <laughs> no yeah, I mean, yo, I stayed with my boy out in Inglewood. My blood pressure went from like a hundred down to just eight. I was just like, ah, oh, relax, dear God. But it's that whole like, it's that whole like, who do you know? What's the mood? Like that bullshit. That's like, annoying. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's games. It's it games, games that don't matter. And when we opened Vertigree, I met a very good, uh, now a good friend of mine. Her name's Katie. She is not somebody I would normally talk to unless I was in like a work setting, right? Giving drinks and stuff. Okay. And she just rolled up to the bar and she goes, hey. These, these bitches are terrible. Like, can I just hang out with you? And I was like, yeah, what's up? Dude? Nice. And she ended up, you know, she she was like, yeah, I used to bartend. I was like, where at? She's like Hooters in Chicago. And I was like, dude, oh, you are dang. rugged. You are a rugged lady. <laughs> I like that. She's amazing. But, like, that's why she's real. She she saw she has that innate ability to be like, okay, that guy at least looks like he is kind of cool. So I'll go talk to him real quick. Mm-hmm. And the way she approached it was also that's how you want a real person to approach. So I digress. That same thing, like all these girls were like, oh my God, what's your Instagram? Da, 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 I'll follow you. And I was like, all right, whatever. I got like 600 followers. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I'm not, I'm not really playing that game. And then they follow me and I follow them back. And then my wife was like, you know, they're just like, cause my wife way more savvy at this shit than I am. Okay. I'm like, a borderline, if I just had like a burner phone, I don't think my life would change too much. You know what I mean? I wish everybody could go back to that. I mean, that's what I grew up with. I grew mm-hmm. up with a rotary phone. My, I did too. My family was you're, broke. I, I was the same <laughs> way. I mean, you were connected to a cord. Yes. Whether it was like a six-foot cord or maybe you splurged and got a nine-foot cord. Uh, but it was curly. But then, yeah, yeah, it would get all trash. twisted up. And then you'd trash. have to pull it with two hands, pull it all the way apart, and then stand nine feet away. So oh, it would totally. stay that. <laughs> totally. And then you're always flipping it. You know, you would have like flipping the wires around your fingers oh, and yeah. shit. Yeah. I mean, like, I remember answering machines being a big deal. I do, too. I mean, that's like, I mean, again, that's like dating, dating ourselves, right? But That was fun, though. I mean, it's... Do you know how fun it was to get together? I mean, for me as a kid... And we would get together. We just got a brand new answering machine. And you put the little cassette tape in there and you hit record. All right. Hey, the, you know, uh, back then it was the Masseys. Hey, the Masseys aren't here right now. But, and then Ryan, oh, Chris. And then, you know, you all <laughs> yeah, name totally, yourself totally. around there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's crazy now because you like, on the flip side of that, right? That was the way you communicated. I remember. Yeah, you only communicate like, with I, people like, if they were at home. When it, the, <laughs> the school I was going to, like in elementary school, if you had pagers, you were like king shit. Yeah. Like, and if you had a couple pages, everybody knew what you were doing. Mm-hmm. But in that same context, it's like you had to use a phone still. I had a conversation and I, I work with a couple younger cats at that company. Right. And I looked at him. I was like, you've never made a collect call. Oh, like, yeah. Unless they've that's been to jail. Crazy, man. That's that's literally like like that's that's the transcendence of a of a generation right there it's how about crazy. this how about this if you can ask this for boys i bet you've never called 1-800 big tits 
I've never done that either. But did you ever do the 100, whatever, like the, the sex numbers? <laughs> like if you would just come up with something sexual, it would all lead oh, you totally. to the same place. But like 100, you know, whatever, big tits, was whatever. It's like I mean, if you could come up with seven numbers that spelled something sexual and you would type that in as numbers, you would go, you would get the 800 number, you get to talk to some oh, chick facts, for free bro. for like 30 if seconds. If, <laughs> as long as you ain't hitting that 900 number, you could, you know what I mean? But yeah, it's wild, man, like. Like I was just tripping out on that the other night. I was like, I was like, bro. I mean, like, I don't fancy myself as like an old gentleman. Like, I'm only, I'm in my thirty, I'm thirty five. It's not oh, like I'm, I'm like, way older than yeah, you. It's not like I'm like, <laughs> it's not like I'm crushing the fifties and shit. But it's like, you just start to see this like, it's like a precipice where I'm just. I looked around one night and I was like, I'm the, I'm, I'm the old guy. Oh <laughs> yeah, I mean? like it was crazy. Oh, I get like, I, I know that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother. Thing in life, because I've got the mentality of a. I still think I'm 20. I can go hang out with 20 year olds and party mm. with them, and I've done that a few times. Because due to the podcast, I really love hip hop. Mm. I got some local hip hop fr- that I've turned into friends, or you know, we've become friends. And I went to this one show uh, last year sometime, and I was just looking around. I was like, "Oh, dude! Not only am I the oldest one here, I'm <laughs> old enough to be all of their dads." <laughs> But and I'm acting like I'm one of, not acting like I'm one uh, of them, but I'm acting like I'm amongst one of them. Yeah, like, yo, let's go. Again. I'm you know, I'm you know, drinking, having a good time, laughing, taking pictures, partying, dancing, all that shit. But I'm like I don't I, I don't I didn't have the self realization, you know, I just I just go with it. And then later <laughs> on you're like You're like, Oh, oh shit, man. I wonder what they think of me. Like, are they just laughing at me? Look at this old dude. Like, what is this old this dude? A down ass old man. I'm hoping that's what they're thinking. I like that guy. He's cool. He's old and still getting down. But oh man, I might just be that old dude that I was laughing at back in the day. Like this, what is this fucking old dude doing? Well, I mean, my wife is a little bit older too. I mean, my wife about she about ten years older than me. Nice. Uh, which I'm totally down with. But like, it's that same thing. Everybody's always like, "You're like 28, right?" And she's like, "Thanks." Yep. yep. <laughs> like, yep, 28 yeah, still. Yeah, turns yeah. out, but uh. Yeah, man, it's it's a trip. Um, I mean, and again, the the way I got brought up in bartending was way. Di- I mean, I was I got brought in. Most of my like experiences in life are kind of like I get I find what I get into, but as the transitional period in it is happening, like I found punk rock uh, when I was really young. I was thirteen, and I found it right in between where it was be- where it, like the people I hung out with were like fucking degenerates, right? Okay. Like, I mean, I've definitely like seen dope shot before I was even like, you know what I mean? Even before I like started getting real into drugs real young. But even then it was like, that was the, that was the culture. It wasn't like, you know, and then you start to have this uptick of like, it's more accessible. People are finding more about it. It's now becoming like a little bit more commercialized. You have this little kind of like, you know, the, the mainstream getting their fingers into it. Punk. 100%. Yeah, with like rancid or yeah. I mean, like I mean, that's all California shit too. So I mean, that's all all there. But it's like you have the kids that are like legit in that scene, crazy life, it's like you know, eighteen year olds shooting dope, doing graffiti and skateboarding, and then you got like the kids that live in the mansion that are happen to be punk. And it's not the, a wrong thing, but it's when you start to lose the teeth of what that is. And that's when I came in, and I love drugs. That was my favorite thing <laughs> up. So that's what I ended up what doing. What was your drug of choice? Methamphetamine, baby. Really? I grew up, I grew up, full disclosure, I grew up in a town of about 1,800 people. Okay. Called Arnold, California. Uh, not much there. 
I mean, there's 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 a couple spots, but like jobs aren't really like a commodity oh. there. So it's much more of a luxury to have a job. My mom, single mom, raising two kids. You know, I'm a shithead. Yeah. I'm, I'm a fine trouble. And right. When you find trouble and you, you know, school is pretty much just finding out what you suck at. You know what I mean? Like for me, it was like, all right, well, I'm not good at sports or, or at least I don't like them. Those kids want to fight me all the time. That's <laughs> so true. Like I, li- I like music. You know what I mean? Like that was kind of my saving grace in a lot of contexts. But, you know, I'm I'm not good at school, like school work. I'm good at writing. I'm good at certain things, but those aren't like what are getting me good grades. Yeah, it's just so hard to teach yeah. people, I think. People, I, I think yeah, especially boys. Like we're just hard. It's hard to teach us. Well, it's like we yeah. want to learn. We're interested in shit, but we don't want to sit down all day and listen to boring lectures. 100%. I mean, I'm dyslexic, too. I mean, like my, I think it runs in my family. Like my dad is like, just don't drive with him. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're going to be on some weird shit. <laughs> but like for me, it was like, you know, I didn't know that that was thing in my life i thought that was how everybody was yeah until you know i was like 15 and they were like yeah you definitely are dyslexic oh, you definitely have a learning disability which is totally fine you know what i mean like everybody learns differently but mm-hmm. if you're in that you know i grew up in the no kids left behind 90s like s like the the, the standardized tests and all mm-hmm. that bullshit like you know california is broke as shit oh we yeah had, they're an share, interesting you know, state we had to share textbooks and shit dude it was oh, crazy shit. So for me, I just found out uh, I hate that. So what can I do that's not that to the fullest? And that was punk rock for me. The first, the first time I heard, uh, the first time I heard punk rock, I was maybe like I was like twelve or something like that. And I was listening to kind of what was around at that point, bunch of '80s stuff. Like I still love the Scorpions and shit. Like you know, some hair that's metal. That's so funny. I I just could never get into punk. It's just too. I tried. I tried to listen to it because I listened to everything, but it was just too, I don't know, loud and I can't understand it, I guess. Oh, I love it. I mean, that was exactly what I but, was But I mean, doing. there's some metal I like too, but just some of the punk, it just seems too trebly. You know, like this, mm-hmm. it's too trebly and too loud and like not a lot of skill. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Uh, well, that's the beautiful part of it. That's the beautiful part. Yeah, that, okay. The inception of punk and hip-hop basically coincide with each other. Mm-hmm. So, like, I've always been into hip-hop, too. Like, you know, even when I was, like, a dirty punk rock kid with a foot-long mohawk, I still love punk. Like, I still love hip-hop. Mm-hmm. Like, the first hip-hop I ever heard, I was maybe, like, maybe eight. And it was, my, my grandma got me an X Game CD for birthday, Christmas, whatever okay. it was. And I remember... Track 13, it's all like Goldfinger <laughs> and like s- Skate Sky, you know, like, and then it's like track 13, Protect Your Neck. That shit Blue came on there we go, and yeah. fucking blew my Protect fucking neck, mind. But I didn't even know what it was. I never heard anything like that. Oh, like, shit. The town I grew up in is 1,800 people. There's like a half black adopted girl, and that's like ethnic diversity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I went to my mom. I go, my mom's from the Bay Area. Like, she born in San Francisco, grew up in like Hayward, Castro Valley. We're deep down there. And I go, mom, what is this? And I showed her the showed her the headphones, and she goes, "Oh, that's that rap crap." Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, "I don't know what that is, but this is amazing." Because I grew up playing drums, so for me, like, oh, the sure. beat was already infectious, yep. and then the way especially Wu Tang Clan, that's like the old school stuff like that. Yeah, yeah boom bap's my jam. Mm-hmm. But as I kind of, I mean, like, I grew up playing drums, so for me, like, just the beat, the way the rhythm was syncing up, stuff like that, it really like drew me in, and then. For, like when I found punk rock, it's exactly that itch where I'm like, dude, somebody else understands. Because the whole time I'm just getting told I'm wrong. You know what I mean? Like, 
I, I kind of had a, a little crazy upbringing with my mom's, you know, whatever that's in our past. Uh, you know, a lot of issues stemming from her leaving my dad and shit like that. No fault on her. Everybody deals with their shit differently. Mm-hmm. But if you go to that, you know, I'm taking the front because I'm the I'm the youngest. Mom's doing two jobs. I gotta take care of baby brother, and then you go to school and just get your ass kicked because you're like a tall, skinny, awkward dude. You know what I mean? Like you try like everybody's just like, oh fucking that weirdo fight him. Like you and you don't have a ton of friends. And you don't have like you're not the popular kid. You just look for an outlet. And for me, the first time I heard, uh, first time I heard Minor Threat was one of the first bands I ever heard. First key i heard i was like oh this guy is mad too like that's amazing like i want to listen to more of this okay and that's just really where it took off for me was like somebody else understands okay how i'm feeling because everybody else is telling me i'm wrong like everybody else is like fuck you your feelings don't matter especially in a town of 1800 you're not gonna get feelings like what what feelings like that means you're a especially back then yeah exactly there was no mental health awareness back in the 80s and 90s zero i mean like there's barely any now exactly you know I mean? like and and now they're finally like hey you know dudes kind of shoot schools up because they get fucking like their people are terrible to each other <laughs> and they're told that they can't be like you know i feel sad or i feel alone suck or, it up be a exa- man exactly well that that bullshit right and that's like again that's the town i grew up in like the soundtrack to me getting my ass kicked in school is like uh who just played that show out here country boy Garth Brooks. Yeah, bro. No, we're not doing that. Like, I can't even listen to it ironically. Like, I will, like, my blood rate will. I don't know shit about it. I can't. I'm I'm the same. I don't like country. I've never liked it. I've never, I've never really even given a real hard chance because I know that's how much I don't like it. And And I was like, I know hot country nights or is a thing here in Kansas City for a couple years. And I was like, I should just check it. I should owe it to myself. You know, I owe it to myself. Like, as much shit as I talk about how much I love Kansas City and how much I explore it and all this other mm-hmm. stuff, and I kind of stay, I don't stay away from Power and Light, but I kind of do. There's not a whole lot down there that I've ever enjoyed a whole lot. <laughs> but I was like, I'm going to try it. I'm going to make myself go mm-hmm. to this Hot Country Nights thing. And so I went there. It was the first one this year, oh, like wow. after all COVID and shit. Some people going crazy. So it was crazy. So I, go, I was in there, and I will tell you this, single men. <laughs> oh yeah that is a spot there are some just ring a dinner bell yeah yeah i mean there's a lot of females there's probably more females and males there and there's a lot of if you like that country girl look all I'm which i do you, like that look i don't uh, like their music <laughs> but i like some daisy dukes and some plaid all, shirts all and i'm shit. telling you you better watch out with that shit because that's how you get a kid another kid. well i know um, that's a trap but i didn't I, I i couldn't stay long i was like ah there's just then it, it was before even the music the live music started now i'm a sucker for live music but mm-hmm. it was, i was gonna wait around for it but they're playing all the country up and it's just that kind of vibe i was like i'm not gonna stay here like i tried <laughs> i'm out bro. i'm out i'm going somewhere else like i tried i'm going i think i ended up going to like john's big deck or something like that yeah totally i mean like yo at least you gave it a shot you know yeah what I mean? like you got to try something that know you hate it. You know what I mean? That's what I always tell people is I'm like, listen, I got to go to a place twice before I'm like, nah. Yeah. But I also will make a pretty, I'm, I'll make a snap judgment on that for sure. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's, there's a certain level where it's like, yeah, if it's like food or like some sort of thing like that, like fine. If it's just being surrounded by a bunch of white folk, <laughs> prepare yeah. to see me uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Yeah. And speaking as like a tattooed white dude, yeah, I just, yeah. I can't, I, I have a hard time with people <laughs> like you know what i mean where it's like I, yeah and again me being sober it's like 
I don't want to like being around a dr- crowd of drunk motherfuckers. Yeah. Not my thing. And uh, ironically bartender, but yeah, you can control that situation. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. that's for me, what gives me that ability to do it is to control. Well, you're working and not socializing. There's a big difference. 100%. I mean, like one thing I learned getting sober was like, all right, man, you can leave. You know what I mean? Like my addict brain doesn't know that leaving is an option ever. If I was at a bar, we're shutting this thing down. If we're at a trap house, cool. We're here all night, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Like relationships, it's the same thing. It's that like hold on to it because that's yours type of vibe. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I got sober and I started kind of unpacking my bullshit, which was dense, I finally just went, you can just leave. Like you can, <laughs> you can quit a job. You can leave a relationship. You can, you can leave the bar if it sucks. You know what I mean? Like these things never occurred to me when I was still using and shit just because like my well, obviously not in the correct state of mind right. but like you know it's crazy so for me it's like yo if I'm sitting with somebody and you're having some drinks there's a finite amount of alcohol you can drink before you're on a different plane of existence than <laughs> I, which and is, I'm out yeah and then I'm I'm good like hey enjoy the rest of your night yeah you know yeah I mean? peace like you know even with my wife like my wife doesn't really drink that much she'll get down on some wine like yeah. you know she's she's totally fine with that um, from her accident, when they removed her spleen, she, uh, her, it's basically your spleen helps regulate your white blood cell count. Plays a pretty interesting role in your endocrine system, but from that, her tolerance just went away. Okay. Like, I mean, she, I mean, granted, she didn't really drink for like a year or two, but I mean, that's not enough to like reset your whole body pretty much. So for her, like a wild night's like three, four glasses of wine, and she's like loopy. That's pretty good, though. Yeah, but That's a bottle. Same, I mean, when I was drinking, maybe, and maybe this is just me, when I was drinking, like four or five drinks, I got to get a buzz going. You know what I mean? Oh, I hear you. Like, but and, for, 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 for a gal, a, I mean, uh, you know, a for young. A, for a 44-year-old woman, absolutely. Without a spleen, that's a, a bottle of wine. That'll get you a feeling nice. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's funny, too, because, like, she doesn't really get loose like that anymore. Like when we were first dating, she there were a couple holidays where I'm like, oh boy, get the <laughs> get get the get the bathroom ready, you know what I mean? But like, it's still that same thing. If if she's getting a little liquored up, I'll just be like, hey babe, like, you know, if she's out with friends, I'll be like, hey, I'm gonna like call me, I'll come pick you up. Okay, you cool. know what I mean? Like, you just have to understand your limits. And and again, I'm not like, I'm not here to be Captain Buzzkill, but like. Well, I'm fucking bored now. You're all talking about the same shit and, and repeat. You know, right? I mean? And they don't want to talk to you. I yeah, mean, 100%. like, hey, this is a sober guy. I'm sure he. Yeah, it's the mutual understanding between. Yeah, just like, hey, yo, go do your thing. Yeah, hang out with the girls. Whatever, whatever. I don't. I do your thing. But for me, being able to take that step back has always been really important, and it was something that like really helped me mediate my relationship with alcohol in in the long run, and with everybody else. I imagine. Hundred percent. Yeah. When I got when I got sober, I was twenty two. 22 damn you got went sober early but you started early huh i mean i I was smoking meth when i was 13 damn i I think i drank my first i think i got drunk for the first time when i was like 12 and then started smoking started smoking speed when i was 13 they start was that did you start with like weed do weed or coke or anything else or like yo there's some meth check it out weed around but motherfuckers cook all day up in that neck of woods like there's no one out there Mm -hmm. i mean like you can literally it's weird Everybody kind of thinks that it's this very picturesque mountain town, right? Okay. It's on a main line to Reno, essentially, sort of to Lake Tahoe. So you can literally straight shot three hours. Bunch of like HA ran through there, like Hells Angels. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was like a huge neo Nazi thing up there. Like, I mean, it's literally just 
in the middle of the woods and you know i watched something recently about some stuff about what was that that i watched about something in it was hell's angels and there were these bodies missing all the time oh it was, it was a sasquatch it was called a sasquatch thing but it wasn't about sasquatch but they were using a story of sasquatch killing people up there and they went to go oh, investigate no it and it was a bunch of hell's angels and just being weirdos, you know. Weirdos run, up run there, and I think that, yeah, running drugs. I mean, yeah. That's what they do on those back highways is they'll just run them because, like, there's, like, two cops in the town. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, it's 1,800 people. It's not, like, exactly saturated with a police force. And, like, the town I grew up in, there's no stoplights. It's, it's, a, it's a main shot on the highway, and then there's stop signs. There's a flashing red over the uh, firehouse, like, where wow. they would pull in. But that's about it. You know what I mean? Like... The big thing up there when I was growing up, and again, I haven't been back in years, which I'm not sad about, but uh, the, the big thing that happened when I was there was they put in like a shopping center. Okay. And when I say that out here, people go, oh, like a big like a strip like, mall or something? It was like six stores. <laughs> you know, it's like a supermarket, which they were like, oh my God, it's going to kill the mom and pop stores. And then they had like a, a doctor's clinic, which was big. Uh, and then they had like 99 cent store, video rental place. Pet shop, one other store. Okay. And you know what I mean? Like, it was just, it's nothing. It, it, in, in the hindsight, maybe big for that town, but that was, like, the big, like, whoa, come on, we're, we're making some moves. That town, just, like, you can get away with so much. I mean, like, there's fucking bears there. If you killed somebody, you just leave them outside, barrel eat it. Whoa. <laughs> Straight up, like. Damn. Like, we had to, be, like. Damn. And this is stuff that I was, <laughs> is that Is that like a, did you say that because that's a story? People actually do that? Yeah. They just kill people and let the bears eat them? Oh, my God. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> there's so much, there's so much land up there that's either privately owned or, you know, part of the state or whatever. Is it like, dense forest? Yeah, big, like redwood, sequoias, stuff oh, like that. Oh, wow. 100%. It's it's crazy. There's um, uh, Big Tree State Park. Um, this is all like 49 mining territory, too. Like, this is like. So the town, the the county I grew up in there is called Calaveras County, and uh, like how far far north or uh, like what geographically in California where so is this? So if you're if you're looking, oh at, you, you said Reno. If Dana. you're looking at Tahoe, like Lake Tahoe, okay, in the bend of California, mm-hmm. you go about three hours west, a little bit south on Highway Four. Okay, that's Arnold, California, just in the middle of nothing. Huh? Sierra Nevada foothills. I mean, wow, a lot of retirement families up there, like. I mean, it's a beautiful place in hindsight growing up, but Calaveras County is like Mark Twain County. That's where he like went and wrote, wrote about the jumping bullfrogs and all that stuff. Okay. I've jumped bullfrogs at a county fair. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> weirdly enough, uh, it's, a, it's a really small community. And like, it was interesting growing up there because like, you know, it, it seems picturesque. And then one thing I've learned is there's always an underbelly, no matter where you are. Like, there's always this kind of undercurrent and like, Growing up there, you either it's had... always bad people. No, 100%. Or just or people dark that are... People, people that are just trying to make... Misfits. Make it work. Yeah. You know I mean, like... Yeah. If you're By any town, means. It, like, the, the wealth discrepancy in that town's insane. Oh, like, I'm sure. You are either country club, retired, good, or you are, like, in the trailer park. Mm. The only reason we weren't in the trailer park, because I grew up on food stamps. My mom's parents owned, a, a, like, a summer house up there. So we just stayed there. When oh my mom, wow! My mom left my dad, so we just oh, stayed nice. there, which is great. But it's also like that's like a vague, that's like a fancy hotel. Because you know oh. I mean? they they be you know our, my cousins be in and out. That you know, Grams would come down or whatever. Interesting. So it's like I wasn't quite with the rich kids, 
Cause like I, I didn't have all the cool new shit. I was still rocking like Kmart jeans and shit. You know what I mean? Like one pair to make it last all year. But then I wasn't in the trailer park with that click. So for me and my brother, we were just like on the outskirts. Oh and yeah. That was, that was also just enforce it. Cause like you can't just go hang out with the kids that all know each other. Cause they grow up in that really tight community like that. Even if they hate each other, they still have mm-hmm. each other's back just based on being broke. right. And then if you start tapping into that shit, it's like, you know, man, Listen, when people talk about like, you know, the ghetto and all this bullshit, poor is a is a thing that everybody has in common. Mm-hmm. Like always. You watch like broke rednecks scraping for money. Oh yeah. <sighs> Bro, it's the worst. I mean, that's how I found meth. Like Oh yeah. I was at Look at these West Virginia. 100%, man. I was mining at, towns that are devastated. Oh, and now it's all switched up to the opioid bullshit. Yep, all opioids. Cuz that like <clears throat> one of my childhood friends from that town, right? He was in Oakland for a while. I saw him. This is years ago. I saw him in Seattle. And uh, he came up to visit. He's playing a show or something like that, I think. And I just saw him. And I was like, you want fucking dope? And I've been sober for a couple of years at that point. So I like made the call pretty quick. I've been surrounded by heroin a lot in my life. I just, I've seen a lot of people die from it. It's something that I can pinpoint pretty quickly. And I go, I go, you want dope? And he goes, yeah, I've been trying to get clean. I was like, you've been using in my house? Cause he was staying at, at me and my friends, like our, our house that we rented. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, I've been, I've been leaving. I was like, bro, you need to get help. Like you need to get help yesterday. Like, what, what are you doing? Like, you know what I mean? And I just kind of like had a heart to heart with him. He's now he's good. He has a kid, all this shit. I mean, he's younger than I am. I think he's like maybe like 32. He's my brother's age, but it was still that thing where I was just like, what, what, what? dude, it's crazy. Cause you think about it. Picturesque town. Oh man. It's like all this great stuff. And then it's just like, you know, for me, I was at somebody's house hanging out, and then I saw people doing drugs. I uh-huh. didn't have a context of what that was. And I was just like, what's that? And they were like, oh, you want to try it? And I was like, that's the deviance. That what's I was- that? Want to try yeah. it? Yeah. How old are these people now? I mean, you're saying six, at 13? Six, 16, 17. Oh, jeez. They mean, don't know any better. Just, just yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, like, it was definitely not like wasn't anything glamorous for sure and no there's nothing glamorous about like when you just are living in misery yeah you know what i mean like yeah i mean you need to escape like i'm not defending those guys because those are pieces of shit i'm not judging anybody (laughs) but like also like you just fed a 13 year old some methamphetamine but if they were 16 they're 16 if they're 16 i I mean yeah but no they're 16 they're fucked up too you know so how long were they doing it some 16 year old they don't know they're just a dumb drugged out 16 year old it's exactly. like hey come on join exactly. come join my join my tribe or you know if on the flip side hindsight you know it's like they probably they probably selling it they, yeah. they probably know exactly what they're doing oh yeah like there's a level where it's like if you grow up in like an environment like that you learn you learn differently like you know what i mean you learn different life lessons very quickly oh yeah that's that street smarts and if you're trying to like you know if you're trying to sell something you want to incentivize right uh-huh like I always tell people, like, when we, when they talk about, like, you know, oh, like the cocaine problem or what the fuck ever, I'm always like, make that shit legal. Watch these guys become CEOs. The same I've... psychopath shit, dude. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> watch. You get these kids that are running, know how to know how to break something down, no profit margins and all that stuff. Right. And all of a sudden, their commodity is legal. Watch. Successful businessmen in America. Yeah. Always. But it's, it, you know, the again, the town I grew up in. All this picture at golf courses, da da da, country club, all that shit, and then on the bottom side of that, the one that the vibes I pick up on, of course, 
<laughs> it's all the sketchy weird shit. So from doing that, I started getting in trouble. Uh, you know, I started running around Oakland, San Francisco, Santa Cruz. My mom's moved us down to Santa Cruz when I was 13. So right around that time when was I was on the beach or near a beach. Yeah. I mean, it's like right yeah. on the beach, what which was cool. Man, you went from mountains to the beach. Oh yeah. And then I started running around Oakland being a you know, dumbass, squatting, being homeless, like getting kicked out, you know, all that stuff. Being an addict, you know, I definitely used pretty heavily. I mean, I know what I like. Let me put it that way. What is it like? I've never, I've, you know, I've messed around with a lot of stuff. I've never fucked with heroin or meth. I've had it offered and I've always declined. Just, I was always told decline meth, just decline it. Don't ever take it. I I was like, all right. I mean, no one's ever recommended. No, I don't know that anyone's ever recommended meth. I think for most people, it's, most people, it hits differently. But heroin's got to be wonderful. It's got to be the best, right? It wasn't my thing. No? The one my thing. People seem to just love it. They die over it. They destroy their lives over it. It's got to be. I, just, I mean, like, I, I like being in control. I like being up. I like having energy. You I like, like speed. Okay. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like, yeah, you like it that literally math. just like, just... it's like an improvement on anything. And you don't care about anything. At least for me when I did it. Like, it's literally like the most, po- it's like a hyper focus. And maybe that's because I probably have ADHD or some shit like that. Right. Too. But for me, and you know, when I met my dad years down, I didn't know my dad growing up until I was 27. When I met him down the road, he goes, favorite drug, good, clean speed. And I was like, my dad, That's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that same thing. He was like, yeah, I always just got real like calm. And I like, I was like, yeah, I mean, like, not that I'm calm, but like you get like clean stuff. Like, I feel good about it. You know, if you, I mean, for anybody out there who thinks whatever, I'm, oh, I'm too good to do fucking speed. If you've done Adderall, you have done methamphetamine. Oh, you're doing in, legal in a, speed. Yeah, exactly. Oh, like, yeah. And if you've done anything else besides that, you know, hey, whatever. If you get, like, it's all about the grading of your drugs, right? The dudes I was getting it from were getting it shipped in from Mexico, 96% pure. That's pharmaceutical. If you are doing stepped on coke on some bullshit, mm-hmm. then chances are you've probably done some speed too. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like 100%. Oh, yeah. But it's that same thing. So for, like, for me, it was always just, like, it's the perfect alleviation to my condition, whatever you want to call that, of like being myself, which okay. is like that was hyper, your baseline. Hyper cerebral, always in my head, always thinking about stuff. I hear that. You know, That's me. Do I need math? I mean, I wouldn't recommend it, but <laughs> <laughs> let me try some of this pure stuff. Is it safe? Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, safe, safe enough as doing any pharmaceutical crap. I think we're finding out. You know what I mean? Like, huh. if you look at like, if you look at the amount of damage that like like the opioid crisis has caused or like what literally people giving you like synthesized opioids can do, you know, like my wife after that accident, she, she went through withdrawals cause they had her on so much and, and she oh, needed wow. it to be honest. Like she, she broke her whole left side of her body in that oh accident. So it's not like she could just like not take it uh. and fucking chill. You know what I mean? But she tried to get off it as quick as she could. And it, you know, she was getting like the body itches mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So I think, like just because something says it's legal or can be prescribed. I mean, I think there's a very weird thinking in America of like, Oh yeah, man. Like, Oh, it's, well, it's prescribed by a doctor. It's cool. It's like, no, that's still like a super powerful opioid. Like, like they put me, I, I broke my hip when I was 29, just walking down the street. <laughs> what? Slipped, and got hit by a car? Like slipped and walk? fell down <laughs> like an old ass man, 29 years old on ice. Wet great, wet great in Seattle. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, Slip, fell down, 
bad. Uh, thought I was just being a bitch, so I got in a cab and went back to work. Because oh. I was up the street getting like a Red Bull or whatever. And I was checking IDs at the door, and they were like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know, man. I can't walk. It's real weird. Like, pick my broken-ass leg up into the oh, cab. Like, geez, all that, dude. right? Yeah. And they were like, yeah, you should probably go to the doctor, my dude. And I was like, ah, now that you mention it, this does hurt. <laughs> we should probably go. And I just I slipped. I fell. I broke my uh, uh, broke my femoral neck, which is literally like the – you have, like, your ball socket. Uh, you have, like, the big ball joint on mm-hmm. the end of your um, femur, and then you have your femoral neck. That is, like – textbook how old people break their hip and my doctor came in the room and looked at me and went really dude and I went, tell me about it this also happened on halloween by oh the way. No. i don't know when my family burned a witch or whatever but <laughs> for sure and uh they gave me dilated and dilated yeah, i was like i mean the nurse was she's hilarious she goes she goes, are, are you in pain? I was like, ah, yeah. And she goes, well, a one, giving me a one to 10. And I was like, I don't know, what's a 10? Like, my brain goes into hyper-rational mode when I'm hurt. So I was like, what's a 10? Is 10 being shot? I ain't been shot. I don't know what a 10 is. And she's like, that's a 10. <laughs> she's like, you ever had Dilaudid? And I go, no. And she goes, it's real nice. Nice. So she shot me. I was like, you know, hit me with it. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, you're not wrong, lady. It's like, nice, huh? <laughs> like, all of a sudden, this hip ain't nothing. <laughs> really? Oh, it was crazy. I mean, it, they had me on two drips of that. And then the next morning, I just I, makes you feel high and happy. You don't care. Yeah, I mean, you just don't give a shit. You're just like, I mean, Man. to me, it felt like kind of like when I would drink, maybe a little less energy on that front because I would just chill with like laying down. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when I was drinking and stuff, it was that same thing where it's like for me, like I'm like active. I like being in control. I like, you know, not giving a shit is awesome. Like and I mean, I don't give a shit about a lot of things now. Like, I'm one of the most, like, yeah, what the fuck ever guys. Yeah. But when I drink or when I use, it doesn't, no, like, doesn't matter. <laughs> like, it's it's completely reactionary the whole time. And I idle at, like, 90 when I drink. Normally, there's a little a little voice in there that's like, maybe you shouldn't do that, guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, maybe you should chill out. My wife is also really good at temping me down on that stuff. But when I drink, good luck, bro. I'll set your car on fire. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... That's just like, that's just what it is, man. Like, and, and it's, and it's like, I'm never like, <clears throat> I've never been that guy that's like, you know, out to be a fucking dick and I drink and I get angry. It's just like, you want to get crazy. I've been waiting for you. What's up? Okay. <laughs> like, cause I'm right here. Crazy as in someone's fucking with you or crazy. And is like, come on, let's do some crazy shit. Both. Both. Yeah. <laughs> like I get a little I can get that. Come on, let's do some crazy shit. I'm like, what are we doing? Where are we going? Come on. I'm exactly. in. Exactly. When I when like when I'm drinking, people that like me are generally up to no good. Just as like <laughs> as a fucking base rule. You know what I mean? Like when I was younger, I would I would go do like graffiti and stuff. I was never any good, so I wanna get that out the way real okay. quick. Okay. Not like I was some like master graffiti artist, but I would just go. My tag was smoke crack. I just hit it everywhere. Uh-huh. Just everywhere. Right, just wrote smoke crack. Yeah, just, I'm a, had a little hand style on it. You know, the, nothing crazy. And all the dudes I was rolling with were all like Serenos, and they're all like doing these beautiful pieces. And I mean, some of them are a little more, little more gang affiliated than the others. And all these dudes were just be like, "Man, yeah, you gotta come roll with us." I'm like, "Bro, my shit is trash. It's literally a joke. Mm-hmm. Like that's all it is." Mm-hmm. And you're sitting here like, "Yeah, man, you're fucking crazy." And I'm like, "This because I'm." drinking the whole time yeah and like not because i like don't i can't vibe with those dudes but like i'm <clears> drinking and if i know if i go out and tag with you like y'all roll away y'all are affiliated away and i'm gonna be next to you and then that has its own consequences 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, just, just facts. Like, what's hat? What's the good? You got any good stories of some? I've always wanted. I saw so one of my first guests. There was like a random guest I didn't know. I just bumped into him doing graffiti, but doing it legally in the crossroads. Mm-hmm. But he was like, does some. He's got some big ass murals down there that you that you know. I'm sure. And I was like, dude, I want to be having you on my podcast because I wanted to get into that tagging, that graffiti. Like, I wanted to know what it's like hopping fences in the train yard, running from the train bulls or whatever, no, and doing totally, all that shit. Totally. Like, train. and he didn't have any. He's like, nah, I'm just an artist. I'm like, ah, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's part of it where it's like, you know, I I never got fully into like the full like like there's that scene, there's that elevation scene, right? Right. There's essentially the ways that I got taught about it was like, you have more of the skate like skateboarding punk rock side of that, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which is kind of where I came into it. You have just no fucks given and yeah, no skill. Like, oh, I'm just going to be a little, exactly a little shit, you know, a little bit more like art, artsy fartsy, if you will. <clears throat> then you have like the literal, like gangbanging shit where they're literally writing messages, like telling people who they shot, like, you know, or like we're taking this over. This is where we're selling or whatever it is. You know, like there's a whole language with that shit. Then there's also, the elevation of that where you have dudes that are out there just doing their vision mm-hmm. and, and putting forth these like massive pieces. Like I also was in like the dudes that I knew from tagging in like San Francisco and stuff like that. And, and Oakland kind of had beef with the LA cats. So there was this weird rivalry with like all that. There's all these like different clicks, the dudes that hit trains way different. Like I've seen some dudes out here where I'm like, oh, I remember that dude. You know oh, what I mean? Cool. Like it's just like, I'm like a train going past cool. it's crazy, but Um, I never got into that upper echelon of dudes that are like, you know, putting these giant pieces together. And like it like I was always just kind of on that fringe. Well, that doesn't sound fun. I want the underbelly. But they but they they like me. You know what I mean? They were like, they're like, oh, yeah, you're fun and you're you're funny to hang out with and we can go drinking and stuff. But I mean, like you see a lot of homosex tagging. I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) That's what I was. Yeah. Facts, dude. You see you see some homeless people doing some gross shit and you just up on like, you know, in a, in a train tunnel, just ripping something, you know, handing your boy a roller or whatever. And it's that same thing where you're just like, ew. <laughs> Can I paint over you real yeah, quick? Ooh, gross, man. But we had some, uh, homeless people got to fuck too. Hey man, no shame in it. Just like that's some, that's ew. some grubby sex, bro. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Really think about that too much. Ugh. Um, yeah, oh, I, mean, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't dwell on it too much for sure. I don't want to. Get me off of that. <laughs> but like, you know, we, I mean, running from the police is a thing I've done in my life. You know what I mean? Like, that's just something that comes with the territory. Right. Being a shithead. We, uh, we never really hit a lot of trains. There wasn't a lot of train stuff in Santa Cruz. There was like a couple tracks that ran through there, but like, there wasn't a ton of train yards to go hit. Just alleys and shit or what? Yeah, 100%. <clears throat> there were like a bunch of, we did a bunch of stuff in like beach flats. Um, there were some like drinking spots that we'd always go to roll out there, hit it. There's a lot of beach stuff out there. I mean, just like old, uh, foundations and stuff out there. Like, okay. cause you're on that beach level, yeah. you just go out there and tag up. There's some like surf spots and stuff out there that are like way, way territorial. I mean, that's a whole different vibe out there too. I never, I never, I don't fuck with the water like that. There's just, I ain't about that. <laughs> You're a mountain guy. Ocean almost killed my ass one time, and I was like, I'm fucking good on you. Waist level. That's where really? we stopped. 100%. Uh, I was uh, trying to get up on a surfboard, and the wave came over me, crashed me, flipped me on my head, and I fractured my neck. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was it was Broken awesome. neck or a fractured head? You got a broken, it wasn't, it wasn't broken like a, hip? It wasn't a bad break or anything like that, Like, but it was like, it was like 
Yeah, it was enough to be like, okay, yeah, let's like never again. Fuck this. Like, <laughs> that's right. You said good. earlier, not you don't like sports. Yeah, I mean, listen, like sports. Hey, if that's your thing, more power to you. Right? Yeah, but like growing up, you know, the dudes I I got in fights with all the time were all on the football team and shit. Of course, and you yeah, know, yeah. jocks I, being jocks. I wasn't even. I didn't even hit a hundred pounds. I was in high school. So I was just tall, oh, wow, skinny as shit. And we were doing meth all the time. You know, my mom's, she didn't raise us to be like, I didn't, she had a lot of issues with like male energy for coming from leaving my dad and shit. And my dad's a lunatic. I want to get that out the way. I understand why my mom left him because meeting him made me understand more of his shit. But also like, you know, I also looked at my mom one day and I was like, how the fuck did you end up with this guy? Like, I just don't understand how you are like actually like why you were like that's a great idea you know what i mean <laughs> like yeah let's have two kids with the guy uh i wonder about that i have a yeah I and mean, i have a dad he left my brother and i at a very young age and it's funny he actually he's dead now but he lived he's from tacoma no sugar like washington yeah. wild that's weird man yeah so get this weird shit so meet my dad for the first time when i'm 27 ride my motorcycle out here and my plan before I met my wife, uh, who was just a, a lady at the time, but when I met her, my plan was, fuck this, I'm out of Seattle, I'm done, I'm moving to fucking Philly. I'm going to ride oh, cool. around and be a fucking degenerate, <laughs> and I'm just land in Philly, right? That's, I find out my dad grew up right outside Philly. Okay. Wow. He, he just had a calling to go to Philly. Yeah, and I was just like, <laughs> I'm, like I'm going to go Philly, whatever. I've had no calling to go to Tacoma. Uh, you ain't miss much. I don't think I am. It's it's definitely like, it's growing now at, at a pretty high rate. It's one of the most competitive housing markets in the country right now. Mm -hmm. But it's it's because Seattle's so ludicrously insane. Like it's so Just pushing people there. out. I mean, like, so me and my wife bought a house within a year of being in KC. Right, mm -hmm. we got it for one hundred and seventy five. That doesn't exist in Seattle. A plot of land is $300,000. Wow. Like the only way to make, make it quote unquote is if like, if I were going to go back to Seattle and I wanted to buy property, it would be like a shared wall condo. And you're still looking like four and a half, five. Wow. Just, just to, just to live, you know what I mean? Jeez. And then you got your property taxes on that. That's how actually, do people live out there? They're just rich. Well, I mean, listen, if you 22 and you are getting paid 200, 300,000 <clears> a year at Amazon, cause you figured out how to code or, you know, whatever your, forte is if you will mm -hmm. like yeah why wouldn't you but if you're like in the service industry or you're in anything yeah how do those people live i mean multiple Barely. jobs yeah. lots of scraping grinding i mean it's that same it's that same new york rip you know what i mean like yeah i think what we're learning again through covid and really kind of honing us in is like why the fuck are you that like i have a buddy of mine who was at one of the better bars in new york his rent was 3k a month and he was just, he, he's from Missouri originally. He goes, fuck this. I'm going back to Missouri. He's like, I buy a condo down here, flip it. And I'll do whatever after that. But he's got kids in Seattle. You know what I mean? Like, and he's just on that grind all the time. And it's in New York. You can kind of make it happen in Seattle. You can make it like you can exist in those cities for sure. And you can go out every night of the week. And, you know, like I knew my bar, one of my bars that I managed for a long time was like the industry bar. So it was like. I go out for dinner, I pay five bucks, nice. you know what I mean? Which is great, but it's also like, how is that, how are you? One thing I have a problem with bartending in the restaurant industry is like, 
no one ever teaches you how to be responsible with money. Like, oh yeah, like no one. Here's in, cash. Here's your cash tonight. Exactly. Enjoy they just, it. They go here, and then they promote a party lifestyle. They they promote like you know, and whatever. I'm not here to tell people how to party, but like, open drug usage. You said like sloppy as shit. Like mm-hmm. party how you want to. By all means, it, that's not my place to tell you. But if I had if I had had any of the OGs in my life be like, hey, yo, you know, you can you can do this to invest your money. You can do this differently. Like I probably would still be in Seattle with a house taken care of because everybody else I knew at that point in, you know, where I'm at in my in my 30s at that point in their life <clears throat> has, you know, are set now okay. in Seattle, like bought property, bought a house, you know, in the, in like 2008, nine, 10, right. They were a little more savvy with hundred percent. But I mean, maybe that's also where, you know, I was mentally where I was age wise. Yeah. You know, I was being a maybe they're like, I'm not with this meth addict. I'm not teaching this guy what to do with money. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that was after I, I quit doing the hard stuff when I was 16, almost seven. Okay. And so just then, a few years of it. Heavy. Well, good. I mean, good. heavy. Like, yeah. I was shooting it by the time I was 14. Damn. God and, damn. Yeah, that's fucking nuts. Yeah, I mean, hey, I like, I like things, it turns out. Uh, and a- after that, it was just predominantly drinking. I do some, like, blow-ons. I mean, Coke for me at that point was like drinking a cup of coffee. Right. That's how much, like, sure. in front of me I don't. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so for me, it was just like, whatever, man, cool. But I'm not going to pay for it, right? And I just kept drinking until I was 21 and then uh, figured out I'm being a fucking idiot all the time. None really? Yet. Alcohol was like your oh, big, it's the, like, dude, the it's, big crutch, huh? It's amazing. I mean, I just replaced <clears throat> the other shit with another thing. You right. I mean, like a more acceptable yeah, thing. And, and just, again, it's something I love. Like it's something I still love. Like I'm still an, an addict, like mm-hmm. fully. It doesn't go away. Right. And it's something that like, I, I don't want to say I struggle with because I don't think that's the. I understand right what you mean, but it's a thing that's there. Like yeah, yeah. When my wife was the last time I I got struggle is the wrong word, but I know what yes. you mean. Something that it's like a little, it's like yeah, a annoying it's like, little itch yeah, or something. It's like, like a little, it's just a little, a little something back. Have. Yeah, Con- a little conversation you have with yourself from time to time. The last time I got tempted to drink uh, was when my wife was in the hospital. So, wife's in the hospital, ventilator in, all that shit. Her family's there. My, my mom's is down in California still. So. If I'm in the hospital, I'm basically by myself until my wife shows up, right? So I I couldn't stay at the hospital because they were just like, hey, you know, her mom's here. She, you're good. Like, kick rocks, basically. And I was like, all right, well, I guess <laughs> I'll go take care of the cats and go to work or what the fuck yeah. ever. You know what yeah. I mean? So, I'm, so I was at work, and I remember I was pouring a glass of botanist gin for somebody to make a gin and tonic. And I poured the glass, put the bottle back, and my gut reaction was my body just my hand went towards my mouth and luckily i caught myself didn't drink it but the difference is for you being stressed out in that situation you probably be like man i want to fucking drink right now and i want to i would just want to fucking relax right there was no thought behind that action that was just my body's gut movement that was its only that Let's was its cope only with this. its only intention yeah, yeah and i just looked at my my buddy was sitting next to me i go uh, I almost just fucking drank. And he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, probably not. I need to go outside for a minute. And I went outside, deep breath, take a fucking, take, a, analyze what's going on, right? One thing I always tell people that are getting sober thinking about it is like, it's going to force you to analyze all your bullshit. And if you're not ready to look at yourself under a microscope, 
and, and adjust those behaviors, then, you know, like you're probably going to keep drinking or you're probably going to relapse or you're probably going to do whatever. Because most of that, <clears throat> one, an addiction is like you can be predisposed to being an addict for sure. Like mm-hmm. th- that's in my genes for sure. But also if it's an escape mechanism for you to like avoid dealing with these other things, you know, for me, a lot of fucking abuse in my, in my childhood, a lot of, a lot of weird shit I've seen, a lot of different, uh, like, you know, growing up without a dad was weird. I didn't get a male energy until I was like 24. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it is weird. Yeah. And it permeated because, you know, I grew up with my moms, moms is tripping over dad. I'm the spitting image of my dad. Like oh, shit. I, I met one of my nine half brothers and half sisters, by the way, Damn. met, met my half brother Kamar, who was uh, present in my life a little bit. My mom basically took care of me and Kamar. Then she took care of my other half brother, Jeffrey, and then had my full blooded brother, Ross. And then, uh, after she had Ross, he was about six months when my mom left my dad. So my mom was dealing with all her, you know, growing up around two alcoholic parents, my dad's bullshit, all that. Like, I don't think my dad ever hit her or anything, but my dad's a lunatic. Like, right. My dad, my dad goes, Oh yeah, I was selling some guns in the eighties, you know, when I was born. Right. And I was like, Oh, motherfucker was selling like a shitload of guns. Yeah. So like probably not legal. You know what I mean? That's just, <laughs> right, right, that's right, my dad. Right, right. When he says that he make it sound like, Oh yeah, yeah. it's not a pawn shop that he's shooting. Yeah. yeah he's, it's he's a, selling guns it's out literally of it. in, the, in the living room. You know what I mean? So, He's going to a guy with a blanket. Oh, dude, 100%. 100%. And then he tells me stories. I'm like, yeah, of course that's what you're doing, right? But she was dealing with that. And when you got somebody that reminds you exactly of that person. Right, there's dynamics. And are you, probably... know, you know, she knew one way to, to interact with that. And that was how she was raised by her parents. I don't condone, I don't consign that behavior for sure. Cause, but I also like, that's the only way you knew how to deal with it. So for me, growing up with that and then having... On top of that, the the perceived male ego of like, you know, the sports jocks that I went to school with and all that shit who fucking want to beat the living yeah. shit out of me. Yeah. I don't want anything to do with that. Like, <laughs> I don't want anything to do with like male aggression. I don't want anything to do with that. And it took me a long time to fully come to terms with like, it's okay to feel like, you know, aggressive or it's okay to feel like, you know, whatever you want to call it, have that male energy. Testosterone. Oh, 100%. I mean, for a long time, I was like, male energy to me was just stupid. Like, I was like <laughs> Well, it is pretty stupid, you know I mean? especially no, it's, when, you're, when it's, it's young people. It's dumb as Young fuck. men are dumb as but fuck. But I was like, I was like <laughs> it, it's it's not intelligent. I can't be part of that. So it, it permeated my whole life. Like, yeah. music-wise, all that. Anything I would listen to was like, had to be like, very like, heady, very, like, it couldn't just be like, some meat and potato shit. You know what I mean? Is there not a lot of aggression in the punk scene? I've been to, I went to a local punk show. Uh, it was a couple of years ago now. And it was, it's like, man, these guys are wild. I mean, they're just doing the running into each other, mm-hmm. the massive mosh pits. And like, there's, I don't know. It seems a little, I mean, like, I think it's different in different scenes. Like, <clears throat> like one thing I noticed was like growing up, there's different factions of punk. You know what I mean? Like you have like, street punk you have like charge punk you have crust punk you have more like anarcho-political stuff and you have different kind of uh rule sets that go with all those so like okay you have like skinhead punks like all that stuff and uh, again skinheads get a bad rap 
um, obviously Nazis are pieces of shit. Let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> Fuck them all day, every day. Right. But then there's like, you know, sharp skins, which are skinheads against racial prejudice. The original term skinhead is just like a working class punk dude uh, originates from England. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in, that, in that context, there's actually a lot of overlapping history there with like uh, Jamaican culture and black culture. Oh, really? Um, just from working class and where they were listening to like reggae and, you know, Prince Buster and shit like that. It's reggae ska. But uh, I digress. I'm not a historian in that form yeah. by any means. But there's always these different subsections that all would kind of mingle for certain shows. So like when I would go see like Fear, you know what I mean? Uh, that was one of the ones where you have like the skinheads are out. You have the fucking bonehead racist fucking pricks that are out. And we're going to fuck those guys up because the skinheads and the street punks are all hanging out with the crusties tonight. And we're going to go jump these dudes or whatever it is. Right. So it's that same thing where it's Damn. like, but at different shows, like, you know, they, I've gone to a couple like uh, Osserotten citizen fish shows, which are way more like, I wouldn't say they're less violent or less energy, but it's a different type of energy. It's, it's not as like, uh, it's not like a bunch of drunk punk dudes smashing into each other and shit. It's a little bit more like respectful because there's a little bit more like politically conscious things going on okay. in that scene as a whole. If that okay. makes sense. Versus like a bunch of kids fucking thrashing shit and like you know like like there's definitely that that was more of the sect I was in was like I gave you an example. Some forty one played a, they opened this is before they got signed and got huge, but they opened in Santa Cruz. I think it was for the casualties or something like that. Which I are, liked some forty one, dude. We we were pissed because like at that point, pop punk's becoming a thing. Mm -hmm. We are like defenders of the faith. We were throwing bottles of piss at them. Nice on, on the stage, just winging. You guys are punk. Yeah. You're supposed to. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, again, like, like poor dudes. You know what I mean? Now in retrospect, I'm like, they should have known it was coming, though. They saw the writing on the oh, wall. Man. You know I what was I mean? Like, I wouldn't even walked out on that stage, bro. I'd be like, <laughs> Nah, we good. Really? <laughs> I've been like, Do you have some respect for them? Do they get a little respect for coming out? I mean, and they, taking pl it? They, I played, mean they played a song, if I remember correctly, but I, I can't, I can't talk too much on that one. I mean, I see again. Now that I'm not being a shithead, it's like, okay, cool. I, I don't like your music. That's fine. Right. right. But at that point, it was so important to me that, yeah. like, you know, these people are like, like you're disrespecting yeah, you're what I love. Taking something I love, yeah. and, you know, all that shit, and that's fuck that's, you. You go on MTV, fuck off. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Man. I mean, and then again, you learn that like when you become an older person and you understand how industries work, and you understand how record labels work, and you understand right. all the trappings of that stuff. The thing with like punk and and hip hop, for that matter of fact, because that was always how I was with hip hop too, is like. I still go to the underground. I don't listen to mainstream anything. Like we're so saturated at this point with music that like, if you listen to the radio or like what's popping, I'm generally more astounded by that than I am. Like, if you're like, Hey, check out this weird guy that you've never heard before or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think like even, even with that, there's still a level of like, you just don't make a record and put it out and people know your name. You know what I mean? Like you got to kind of like, play that game you got to play more of that influence it's so. a hustle like i said i love the local hip-hop scene here and i i know some of the most talented rappers in kansas city and not not many people know about them because it's just it's it's a hustle it's mm. constantly i got to get my social media grind i got to do my youtube grind like i gotta make videos i gotta make these posts i gotta be seen here i gotta do concerts here constantly trying to get seen it's man it's a grind that music it's industry absolutely a grind man I mean, and, and again, my thing with that is like, that's something I've, I've wanted to explore more in Casey for sure. Cause like you have a larger community, like African-American people here. Like that's just like the, the lay of the land. 
And if you have more influence from those communities that like that's their culture. Wait, Kansas City? We yeah, got 100%. black people here? What? I mean, I'm coming from Seattle. I'm going to get one of them on my podcast one of these coming, days. Coming from Seattle where it's like, you know. Oh, really? I don't know shit about Seattle. A, that's, not a huge, that's not a huge community up there. But it's like if you have, okay. like, I love the context of, like, I want to see more of these things. I want to experience more, like, of that local flavor. That's what I love. And and weirdly enough, it's always been interesting to me. Is like we got, like, what, Tech Nines out here? Yeah, Tech Nines out here. I mean, he's, like, what, the, one of the bigger names? Maybe Twista, he's, if you want to throw it out there? Twista's from... He's from Memphis, right? Uh, I think he's from Houston, isn't he? he from, I, he's I don't from, know. I, I really don't from, know where Twist is from, to be honest with you. I thought he's a Memphis But I know he's boy. big here because of, yeah, him and Tech are both, you know, the speed rappers. Yeah, Tech would be the biggest name. Probably most people here and has a lot of respect, but. That guy bought me a 40 when I was 14. Tech 9 did? I was outside a record shop in Santa Cruz. He's playing. <laughs> Uh, Tech Nine bought you a forty when you were fourteen. He was playing. Uh, he was playing the Catalyst. I didn't know who the fuck he was, and he's just walking down the street with like ten dudes or whatever. Probably not many people knew who he was that long ago. Well, he, got, he had the hair going, so it's like all charged up, right? Yeah, we're spare changing out in front of the, out in front of there, trying to get some money for liquor. And he goes, I go, hey man, you got a dollar? And he goes, oh no, man, no. I was like, I was like, whatever. You gonna buy me a forty or what? And he goes. You know what? Yeah. And I was like, oh, nice. this guy's awesome. Nice. And I walked by his van later. I'm like, oh, you got a dollar oh. for sure, dude, my guy. Was it his it, van that had all the shit yeah, on yeah. it, the vinyl yeah. all over of his face? It was like, nice. it was, though, I don't know what tour, I don't know what, I'm not familiar with his discography like this, but it's like, you have like this whole, uh, it's like, it was the one where he's like, like being electrocuted or some shit. I can't okay. remember. Like, I, I could pick it out of a lineup. Let me put nice. it that way. But yeah, I was just like, that's my Tech Nine story. I was like, that guy bought me a forty. It was amazing. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely big here. Um, I don't know that I would call him the best rapper in Kansas City, but he's pretty damn good. Clearly, I mean, um, he's, but he's 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 different. He's he's influenced, I think, a lot of that sound that because Kansas City does kind of have a sound in the rap mm-hmm. scene. It's got like that a lot of speed rap like that. It's called Chopper. Chopper, the chopper style. Yeah, that's, that, yeah, they're called choppers. Um, there's a lot of that, but there are some other. There are some, a lot of people that veer away from that, and, mm. and it is nice and refreshing to hear someone like, "Oh, that's not a Kansas City sound." Yeah, totally. Oh, I can definitely turn you on to some local, local rap, you know, musicians around here and some places and man. places to check. Have you seen any? Gone to any local shows I've or anything like nothing. that? They're out there. Um, wow, what's that one? Riot Room used to oh, do yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah, totally. There was a place on the Kansas side called the Roxy, mm-hmm. but they closed down recently. But I think they're moving, and they always had something going on. Um, That's awesome. Man. And then there's a dude. I'll, I'll have to say, like when we get off here, I'll show you a few things that people check out. Uh, this guy, I've got a button here. Shuttlecock, mm-hmm. Shuttlecock Magazine, and he's a writer and does a podcast here, and he's big into the punk. Oh hell yeah, the punk scene. That was the first punk scene I've the only punk mm. scene I've ever gone to was one that he put on with this rapper I wanted to go see and it was yeah it was a really it was an interesting interesting Local you know I love live dude. music I've gone like my first my first concert was Rage Against the Machine like I was I love doing being in the mosh pit and getting thrown around I was always the littlest oh, guy yeah. too but um and that was like the first time seeing that scene here in Kansas City and it was funny you know, see the guys running like Oh, yeah, totally. doing, doing the moves with their arms going from one side of the room to the other trying mm-hmm. to bonk, bump into people and they're all pushing each other so it was a good time it was funny man because like I, I look at like being on like the underground circuit for a long time like 
got in punk rock, got into. Were you a musician? Uh, I played. Drum, I know you played drums. Did you play in a band drums. or anything, or were you just nothing? You were just nothing, a, nothing worthwhile. And then when you're when you start getting kicked out, having a drum set's slightly harder than carrying a guitar around. So I just ended up kind of going off into my druggy bullshit. And so then, when you say punk scene, though, that's just like the scene, the scene, like the watching the music and getting into that music. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay. Like the the greater punk scene. Okay. And then later on down the line, I got really into hardcore. Um, which is just like the next evolution of punk rock. But when you get in all like the hardcore dancing and shit, you know, people just rolling around basically just punching the shit. Yeah. Out of like, you know, <laughs> I've been at shows where it's like my wife was telling me this great story. She moved up to Seattle in 97. Uh, There's a band called Sick of It All from New York. I mean, legendary dudes. And uh, they, she goes, her boyfriend at the time was managing this old um, venue called the Paramount, if I remember correctly. And, uh, she was like, yeah. He was like, do you want to come check this show out? And she was like, yeah. It was like her first or second night in town. She goes to the show, sick of it all plays. And she goes, people were leaving in stretchers. Oh, like, shit. She was like, she's like, I know a show's gnarly when I saw shoes on the front. <laughs> like people just getting, like their shoes are being left. I was like, that's <laughs> They're getting knocked out of their shoes. <laughs> I mean, but that's, again, there's like that level of like, you know, when, it, when, it, when I was growing up in punk, if you went to like certain bands that were like a little bit more into that skinhead territory, you have all, you have this big clash that's going to happen between like, there are always the fucking neo-Nazi fucking turds that come out for all that shit. And if you're not them, you're against them. Uh, there's a band called Agnostic Front from New York. Uh, like old school hardcore. They have a bunch of like skinhead dudes that follow them. Uh, I remember the show I saw with them. Like I looked over and this dude standing next to me, right? Big, big boy big boy it's basically a line down the middle of this room right line down the middle of this venue there's the other side maybe like 15 dudes all like big heads swastika arm patch on oh, like geez. all that crazy shit dude standing next to me this big ass dude and he just <laughs> drops this brick out of his sleeve and i was like what Oh, we're finna go to war right now. Uh, like he literally just like like geez. just had like, and he's just like, yep. And I was like, <clears throat> all right. I mean, I always carried a smiley on me, which is like a fucking chain with a padlock. So you just take it off and swing it like Jesus a mace. Jesus Christ! Yeah, I mean, like, dude, this was like, this is like, it, it's weird to think about in in hindsight because it's been so long for me. But it's like that was how you kept your self defense. You know, if you ain't got a blade on you, like California stabby as shit. Like, really? You know what I mean? Like. And people fuck with you all the time when you are sleeping under bridges and stuff. So right. you defend yourself. And if you that are, makes sense. If you're at a show where you're around people you hate, which are racist, bigoted assholes, mm -hmm. you're gonna and they're it's gonna go down because they hate yeah, you too, hundred percent. And yeah. it's just you can just see it. You sense the tension, and it's just like, and you're just like, up. Oh, all the fucking air goes out. And as soon as that song hits, it was just like, you know, game over. It's crazy. And they keep playing through it. Yeah, think of fuck. They don't give a fuck. This is what they know. They know what's going on. They're, they're New York dudes. Like, yeah, they're not gonna give a shit. Right. Like they're probably like, yeah, We're, yeah, they love it. <laughs> this is what we came for. Oh, fuck I mean, each like, other up. You can you, you watch any of like the old um, you watch any of the old documentaries talking to those dudes in like Madball or Gnostic Front and all that stuff. Uh, Cro Mags, all like the old like late eighties, early nineties hardcore stuff, and they're like, you know. They're savages, man. <laughs> like they're just out there. I gotta like, check the, some more. I gotta get checked the scene out a little bit more. It's crazy. Like some documentaries. Uh, I'm to trying see. to think. Uh, I'm trying to think of uh, a good one. There's like a, there's one called the Decline of Western Civilization, which is like 
80s shit that's like the they're talking to like you know black flag and a bunch of like the la bands at that point is black flag uh henry rollins henry rollins is an iteration so he was the third singer i think if my punk credibility still stands okay so it started with keith morris that dude is was went on to do circle jerks uh he's he's my favorite singer he's just he's always been raw and then you had uh des did vocals for a while and then I think after that, it was Henry Rollins. Okay. Um, and Henry Rollins, that was when Black Flag kind of took a little bit more. Like, I don't know, Black Flag to me in that generation of them has always been a little bit more like jazzy and a little bit more like, a little bit more like kind of experimental than you okay. get with the, the initial stuff. Like the early, the first EP I bought from them is called Nervous Breakdown. And it's literally just like five, four, four songs, you know, cut 10 minutes long. Mm-hmm. It's amazing album. I still listen to it. <laughs> But it's all, it's very raw. It's very to the point. There's not a lot of like filler. When you get into like Henry Rollins, it's a little bit more experimental. They're going more into like a little bit more like high concept structure of songs than it is just like uh, here's a verse, verse, chorus, chorus, verse, verse, chorus, chorus, the end, right? Two minutes. They're going more into like, okay, now we're going to get weird for about three minutes here. And like, okay. here's some weird that stuff. That makes sense, knowing Henry Rollins, the kind of dude that he is when it comes to music. Yes. he also He's he's also struck me as always more of a, almost like a spoken word dude or like a poet than Yeah, I than think he does a lot of lyricist. that. 100%. Yeah. But it, it comes through in the way he presents his music. Is it's very, it's not like, it, it's not like, it, it's very calculated and it's very like thinking to me. And it's very much like he's saying something versus like listening to something else where it's like that guy said what he needed to say. You have to kind of, it commands a little bit more respect with Henry. And I think in, in that context, it's like, yo, I can listen to, you know, whatever, like I can listen to a, a two short track, right? That's oh, my and man, right like, there. Like two shorts of shit, but like his shit's pretty. I just level. listened to cocktails yesterday. The whole the whole album. One hundred percent. And like you can you can listen to his album and you know you get what you need from it. You get the punchlines. You get everything right. Yeah. There's no there's no layers. I've been up on this dude called Ka K A. He's uh Marcy Projects. Dude is like, if you think like Doom is crazy, this guy makes Doom look like nothing. Okay, he's crazy. His whole like one song from him is just like a whole album of quotables. He's he's insane. And he just says it like it ain't shit. Like there's yeah, there's a few just dudes out there like hanging that. like that. It's yeah. crazy. But I've been up on him and it's like you again, it's that level of like, you know, I can rock with too short, you know, get that get my fix what I need from that. But if I really want to dig into something, I got to I like I know where I'm going for it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of but I got to be in that mood for it. And then there's other times when I'm like I want a nice little balance. So, you know, I've been super into Freddie Gibbs. For a long time, uh, I've been up on Griselda a lot lately. Uh, they just—they've been putting out—they've been putting out really good stuff. Um, Jid's another dude that's been out that I've just been like that dude. His oh, JID, yeah, His yeah, yeah. Beat selections, phenomenal. Yeah, I like that dude. And he just got—he's got a crazy flow too. I mean, it's very like, very outcast influence. I mean, I think that's just that that Atlanta sound for a lot of that. But I mean, his flow and his beat selection is like pretty impeccable yeah and just like he's got like the way he like flip songs and stuff it's just it's really cool to me too. nice but yeah there's this other cat called stove god cooks if you want to listen to some just like he gets weird man because it's not like traditional ignorant where you're like all right shoot the block up cool whatever but like he'll say some stuff in those songs where i'm just like that's the coldest thing i've 
ever heard in my life. <laughs> right, and it's, yeah. over, it's over a super minimal beat most of the time. So yeah. it's just this like he he's uh, his last album was produced by Rock Marciano, who's one of my other favorites. He's just like the smoothest cat on the mm-hmm. planet. And uh, Rock found him and was like, oh, we need to put this dude on. And I, I, yeah, album's fantastic. It was on heavy repeat for a couple weeks. There's this dude uh, out of here, C-W, C.W. the Youngblood. And he's doing a song a day for a year. Oof. He's already, however, I don't know how many days we're into this year, but he's done a song every day. Yeesh. And he doesn't do like, I'm going to I'm gonna make seven and then release them every day. Like if, if he's with his boys hanging out mm. and they're like, yo, you got to get that song. He's like, oh shit, we got to go do that song real quick. That's he wild. does it every fucking day. Is he producing his own shit? I mean, he's got it at that point, right? <clears throat> I, you know what? I don't think he is. He's not a producer. That's expensive. <laughs> That's what that is. I can't even think about that. That's um, expensive. And he's got and, he, and he, every. I mean, and they're not. It's uh, he's got just so many bars that he does every day, and some of the shit he says is just some of the coldest shit. And he just and he just drops it, you know, just like I don't know. It's just I love that shit. People that have that much that they can work with, like that that kind of skill, that amount of mm. those those bars, that many bars. That amount of punchlines oh, and concepts, man. like all of this, it's just, it's. I mean, that's that's the the art form of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, the beauty of that is, like, the wordsmithing of that is how you need to look at those things. And like, you know, I think it's easy to discount a lot of music as being like, you know, bullshit or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever mainstream media wants to paint that stuff as. But for me, it's like, yo, like, like one of my other. Like, uh, 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 common person i know in seattle one time was like when i was younger was like i don't know why you like rap it's blah 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 and i was like you you fucking say that you're not that funny or that smart or that witty mm-hmm. like like and whatever maybe like it's not maybe it doesn't speak to you like that but like putting those words together and like formulating this whole plan and it's poetry and, yeah 100 and if you're arranging that in a song that's just as complicated as composing a song if you look at it in that context mm-hmm. and like you know <clears throat> you look at you know, and again, punk rock and hip hop being from kind of the same background of like, hey, well, you know, we're broke. Uh, we can't really afford these instruments. Yeah. Uh, you got drums? Yeah, they're shit. Okay, cool. Let, let's just scream into this microphone. And then on the other side of that, you have like a bunch of these like, hey, we ain't got no money. We got these turntables though. Okay, hey, oh, I'm just going to rap over this. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or I'm going to, I'm going to say some words over this. Like, both those things come from poverty and like when you look at it it's like the struggle that comes from that also is the thing that inspires people and makes it gives them that escape route Mm -hmm. and and lets them be you know the kind of john bottom or whatever you want for a day but because of that you also get these amazing lyrical beasts that come out you get like scarface you get biggie smalls you get tupac you get you know, further down the line, you get most deaf or uh, Yazembez. He's going by now, or like whatever it is. You know, like you have all these like crazy things. Now again, there's always that mainstream content, right? And I think and there's some good mainstream content. Yeah, I'm not mad at some <laughs> of it. Like I, I, I like a lot I of rock it. with some of it. Yeah, but like you know, when you start looking at that, now we're talking about the machine. Yes, less artist focused. Yeah, you know, like I know people love Drake. I know I'm not about it and, and like whatever that's fine I don't I don't have to I don't get it I don't get it either but I like, don't I mean when you get into that it's like bro that guy's got people that look at his people that look at his lyrics that maybe you know influence how he's writing them and stuff like and it's it's meant to like 
do numbers because he's now in, he's now oh yeah you know what he's, I mean? he's a yeah he's a machine it's right crazy. Yep. he's just somebody's money machine it's it's nuts like i mean yo get paid no fault yeah no get paid shame, be you know the mean? richest most famous rapper out there get yours get but it. but like yeah i don't i, I know, don't i got uh he's not here today but my guy that runs my camera is usually here charles he's a local hip-hop artist and you know i was just asking we were talking about some local albums that were coming out and he's like yo that drake one's coming out soon i was like wait a minute you're into that is it like, he goes oh that's my favorite he goes when it drops i'm gonna listen to that for like a month straight i'm like you're like no i ain't right, other right, right, i was all right man i didn't know you were you rocked with the the degrassi actor quite like that I mean, but like, go on hey, yo like i'll say this i get about, it it I'll sounds this about drake that guy has the way he moves is like he's got good beat selection but he has an in-house producer that understands what he sounds good over. Like, and this is the thing that I've learned is like, no, he's got people writing like, amazing, yo, the perfect lyrics for him. The, the days of Wu Tang and being like a, like a pretty much a, an entity that runs itself to a certain degree. I mean, like they had their, their A&Rs and their record label heads and all that stuff, but being able to like function and have a producer that was just about your squad. Those, those are gone. We're now in business. We're now in business. Yeah, right? if you're gonna, you know I mean? go, if you're trying to escape the stratosphere, 100. Yeah, but if you gotta, if you have a producer in house because you're bankrolling him, mm-hmm. and he can just make you what you sound good on, you gonna write hit after hit. You know what I mean? And, and it's it's evident. That's how Drake rolls, and it's not a bad thing at all. But it's like, you know, is that really what gets my blood going? Right. Not really. But like again, I'm a kind of a contrarian dude like that, so I'm not really like. I'm not really out about that. Now, if you want something that you can dance with your girl to, fuck yeah, hit it. Right. Jake probably got a lane for you, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, like, you know, I'm going to listen to this little bit more hard body shit. Yep. (laughs) Always. Yep, yep. I want to hear C-Dub talk about cooking it up in the kitchen and shooting his baby mama. You know what I mean? In a poetic way. It's ignorant (laughs) as shit, bro. I mean, again, it's like, you know, like, like, I've never been fully in that life. But I can identify with it partway. Mm. And I think uh, just from the way I grew up, running around being a dipshit, doing drugs, getting into nefarious bullshit, knowing people in that life, in that lane, uh, I think it gives me always a little bit more insight into that. And can, you can kind of cross that boundary, that kind of cultural threshold and step into that, which I think a lot of people have a hard time doing. And, and one thing, speaking from moving from Seattle out here, is obviously there's a little bit bigger divide in that in that space here um, as far as like you like it here yeah i dig i mean i think casey's got a lot of shit to work on for sure like what uh, i don't disagree strictly speaking i mean like one thing I, th- I would love to see happen out here is like i think for the recession 2008 hit out here a lot harder mm-hmm. and i think really focusing on really run down parts of town and revitalizing them should have been here 20 years ago i mean dude that's what everybody keeps telling me i was in midtown and people were like oh midtown i was like i used to live in midtown yeah i was like bro it's midtown like i'm fucking my neighbors are cool you know what i mean Uh, but again we me and my wife live off truce and everybody seems to get their panties in a bunch about being on truce and i'm like they do my neighbors are cool as shit like yeah yeah. but again like the town if you run around east oakland like you're gonna have to see some people that aren't white Mm -hmm. and like it's just what it is Mm -hmm. if you are up front and again like i'm a heavily tattooed dude i look a little different if you just say hi and you're like hey we bought a house what's up Mm -hmm. what's your name how long you guys been here yeah yeah. well it's also like people live here too yeah like 
I'm just coming <clears throat> into your neighborhood. I'm, I'll never be afraid of you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if I see a gun in your car, yeah, maybe I'm a little, like, maybe I'll be a little more standoffish, but like, you know, I heard just as many gunshots in Midtown as I did down in my neck of the woods on 78. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think that's just a soundscape that goes with KC, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But in that context, I think KC really needs to focus up on, uh, one, including more of those communities that have, that have been sh- like historically segregated out. I mean, that's mm-hmm. essentially where the truce line is, right? Paseo, yeah. And the, yeah, I mean, we're, we're right on, we're, we're almost on Lydia. So like Paseo is like another stone throw Paseo's down. Paseo is the, the marker, yeah. It's that crazy thing where it's like, you know, you need to in, somehow include those communities into, into the fold mm-hmm. and, and be able to give them the same opportunities that you give you know, all these you hear a lot of people talk about it, but a lot of people don't do anything about it. They, you know, it's crazy. Like, if, I would, yeah, real. If once we legalize weed, which I'm surprised can like Missouri hasn't done that shit already. It's medically medical now medical. And then I think we're in the chamber for going full recreational. That'd be great. If you, and again, I don't, I don't use the stuff. Like it's just not my thing, but far be it from me to judge somebody for smoking a little weed. I give a shit. I've never mm-hmm. seen a mad pothead in my life. But if you look at what Seattle and Denver and California have generated in just tax revenue, oh, Colorado made so much money they had to dollars. they had to give money back. It's insane. Yeah. So like what like how is that not viable for a state with a very low income or very low like median income with a lot of like you know gang related violence with a lot of like you know these things that can be alleviated if you all of a sudden have a billion dollar injection tax stimulus yearly into your into your yeah. funds, you know what I mean? Like I don't know, man. Yeah, you'd like to think so, and on paper, yes. But mm-hmm. then when you start getting that kind of money, and then you start talking about weed and the legalization of it, there's a lot of different loopholes you mm-hmm. have to kind of finagle, mm-hmm. and then it becomes a game of again of who's who, and then there's making there's a certain amount of people making that money, and they're not putting that back in the community. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, that's just the biggest thing I've, I've saw saw with the medical here. Like it was just a big scam for the most part. It was like a very certain amount, few amount of people were able to get these licenses to Mm -hmm. sell it and grow it. But yet they were taking applications that cost like $300 a piece to do knowing damn well that they weren't going to get it. And just, well, or, like, or they'll do it where you like gotta prove where your money comes from and shit. Yeah. If you do, if you've been fucking selling on the side, like yeah, with like yeah, yep, that's where that comes from. You know yep. what I mean? Like it's that same thing. <clears throat> and I think the way we have to address it is like, like obviously there needs to be a set of rules. You can't just be like eh, everything's legal. Fuck it. I mean, I would like to see that for sure. I want because honestly, I want like, it all legal. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, dude, bro. I've said that a million times. I want every drug legal, regulated, yeah. and legal. Just legalize. Get it fucking legal. I don't care. And provide counseling for people that have problems. Exactly. With it. Exactly. But realistically, like, if you have regulations, which is the American way, right? That's what we do. If you have regulations, how do you include everybody in there so that's approachable for everybody? Because that's the same, say essentially the same with like alcohol production and stuff like that too. Like throughout the years, it's like, oh, we want to hit you with the like you can go legal for a price. Yeah, and it's like, how did you get your money? Oh yeah, all that shit. Like the government's it, a dirty bitch. Oh, 100%. when it comes to this shit, yeah. When, when me and my wife bought our house, right, I went to my bank, you know, had had a good chunk of change in there, and they were like, oh well, we don't want to we don't want to write your loan. Because you don't have steady income, or or you don't have reportable income, because mm-hmm. I work two part time jobs, and I was like, I've been at one for a year. The other, like you can look on my track record. I've always had like one or two jobs, like definitely one, probably two. <laughs> 
and they were like, well, you know, it doesn't matter. I was like, I have like, you can track my last year of, it ain't like that anymore. It ain't, we're dealing with people anymore. They're literally just like, "Uh, yeah, whatever. And luckily we got like a, a a mortgage officer that like really worked for us and like got us what we needed. But it was still that same thing where it's like, you know, that's on like a, not even an illegal, that's not even on a burgeoning side of that. And then after that, it's like, yo, if you legalize that, you need to like, you need to let out jails anybody who has a nonviolent offense on their record for marijuana related bullshit. Yep, I, agree. I think Quentin might've done some of that. If I remember correctly, when they were passing medical, mm, I wouldn't know, but like, that's, that's, I mean, that's one-on-one man. Like, yeah. Less people in jail. Thumbs up for me. hundred percent. I mean like nonviolent drug criminals, yeah, drug, drug offenders. I mean, yeah, well, absolutely. Like, bro, you're going to send somebody out. to jail for like, 10 years well, I don't get me bullshit, started bro. you think I I can't believe I cannot believe Kamala Harris got elected I cannot believe it with the shit with her background of the shit she's done with the drug war it's unbelievable and then That's we got crazy. Biden now too going even harder on the drug war but then making excuses for his cracked out son it's it's a f- hypocritical I mean, dude, mess I'll say this as bad as they are they are not fucking Trump oh uh, you know and I don't know man bro, like I, I'll be real <laughs> That that was the biggest fucking joke America's ever fucking done. So. I Biden's a I don't know Biden's probably a bigger joke. Biden's half dead. I don't think he's gonna survive the year. I, I don't think he's gonna be the president for the rest of the year. Uh, by the end of the year, I don't I mean, know. Hey, it's all a joke. It's all fucked up. Yeah, 100%. they all suck. I mean, you it's get just, rid of all of them. As long as we are not having like literal like, and again, you know, there's different. They're always gonna be fucking sneaking some bullshit in. But like when you have literal empowerment for people to push these extremely astringent abortion laws right anti-lbgtq you know laws like all these things happen because people are empowered to do so when you have mm-hmm. voter suppression acts that are being passed shit like that i'm not about that no, no matter, no matter what fucking po- no matter oh what yeah fucking no there's a lot of policies on I, I, don't, I don't know i'm just i hate all government i hate all our we need to get rid of all of them we need more than two parties this Facts. Monopolized two party system is never going to change anything. John Adams said it was like that's the death of a, that's the death of democracy, right? It is, man. It's I don't know. I, I don't like where our country's going. I, I I've, I've read the writing on the one, wall, man. and it's just continue. I feel like if you were reading a book, this would be a big part of the book that you're like you you know something like oh shit we just had this recession we just had crazy Trump and now we've got this crazy Biden we had this we got this uh afghan thing we got the covid we got this vaccine yes or no we got fauci we got cuomo we got all this crazy we got people wondering or saying you can only use you know there's only two genders there's 37 over here you'd have to be forced to say that just all this shit going on if you were to read this in a book you you know it's coming there's a cliff coming (laughs) totally there's There's a a fucking cliff coming there's an american cliff like there's this cliff that america's going off of and i just see like i can see the writing on the wall now we're getting vaccine passports and all this other shit that they're talking about just bro i mean like yo let's let's be real if you you can't get a fucking shot in the arm i'm i'm kind of done talking to people at this point about yeah i mean like like coming from somebody who was like i've worked in the service industry for 12 years Mm -hmm. like one it's a rough industry a lot of the time yeah, like, I did. It, I did like, it for years. I, like, oof, you I don't, don't get fucking breaks. Who the fuck are these people that get breaks? Like, I, I used to work twelve hours straight rip. If you smoke, you get a break. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I yesterday I did eleven hours straight, and which is great. Made a bunch of money, but mm-hmm. like that's the context we live in. 
if you have a cold, you just show the fuck up. That's mm-hmm. the American way, right? The fact that you can put somebody's life at risk now with this disease because you want to go have a fucking drink is insane to me. And having to work through that at severely reduced pay because we ain't fucking crushing the numbers like we used to. I know, to, yeah. It was crazy. Like, and I got COVID. It was fucking trash. I had a fever of 104 for five days. Felt like I got hit by an automobile. Really? Like, it got you good, huh? Yeah, uh, got bad. But my wife is high risk. So the whole time we had to wear masks in the house. Like luckily she went and got her vaccine. Um, I was supposed to get it three days before I got COVID <laughs> irony. Uh, <laughs> and it was that same thing where it was just like, bro, if you, whatever, if you want to get back to normal, whatever the fuck that means to you, just that, like, there's an answer. Like you don't have to agree with it, but if you were born in a hospital and you went to public fucking schools, you already got vaccinated and like, you're right. fine. Well, I guess theoretically, right? Yeah, it's that uh, same thing. Where it's just sure, like, <laughs> there's definitely, I, I definitely, I mean, there's arguments for against against. There's arguments for being pro-choice on it. Um, I mean, yo, there's hey, arguments because you can still pass it if you get the vaccine. You can still pass 100, it. hundred percent, hundred percent. So it's not. I don't know. It doesn't seem like, and it's not. Vaccine doesn't cure. I'm. That's it doesn't not, cure. That's it, not what I'm saying at all. Right. But if you are like, and again, it's your fucking choice. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's people that are holistic whatnot right i mean fucking do what you want right but realistically if you're not willing to get that at this point and you are actively going out of your way to you know not get it which is pretty much what you have to be doing at this point california they're paying people to go get the shit Mm -hmm. uh and you're just basically telling me fuck you i don't care about you then i don't fucking care about you neither you think so like it's kind of bullshit bro we had to do this whole mask bullshit. And now we got to do it again. Which is not optimal, right? But, you know, I'm still having people. I had a dude try and take a mask off my face before I was vaccine. Like, really? When we were in lockdown and shit. Like, I don't understand that. I haven't seen insane. that. I haven't seen anybody do that. I've, I, I go out all the time, but I haven't seen any people do some weird shit like that. I don't know. I, and I'm as, not saying it doesn't happen. As soon, because as, as soon as you got to tell somebody, you know, like, hey, I need you to wear a mask. Yeah. And they get a couple fucking drinks in them. All of a oh, sudden, yeah. it's this fucking attack on their fucking freedom and all this fucking <laughs> bullshit. Like, I don't care, bro. Like, I, I don't. Because realistically, I have to do this for work. Right. I told my wife the other day, I was like, listen, if this if we go into lockdown round two, I'm learning to weld or some shit. Cause like, yeah, what are you going to do if, they, if they're, they're talking I, about there's other, I mean, if you look at some of these other mm-hmm. countries, Australia is fucking putting it on their people. Canada's not been super friendly. 100%. But I mean, like, can you blame them? Like, I mean, yeah, like, I don't know, man. It's not I, about I, sci- I can't when it's not about science. And I think it's more about power. I think a lot of these people are ignoring these po- the, the, ignoring the science and they just want to put on a show and, and like just some of these governors that they're just doing it for optics. Let's we're forcing people to wear a mask. We're going to force these mandates, not because there's science behind it, but because it just looks good. and It makes people feel better. I mean, there's probably some of that. I think there's a lot of that. I think there's on. also like, you know. If we're looking at spreads and you're looking at hospital, like I've, I've talked to nurses all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like a lot of my, a lot of my clientele out in Leewood is a bunch of doctors. And we're nurses. getting hit right now. Oh, it's bad. I mean, and, and it's not like, it's not like, oh, it's a bad flu season. I mean, when you're talking about people in hallways, people in parking garages and shit like that, it's like, that's real. And like, I'll give you an example, right? One of my very good friends out here, he's 45, got COVID. His O2 dropped to 80. And he was on a respirator or like on a on a O2 support in the hospital. He was forty five. You know Damn. what I mean? And like 
I, I get it. it hits different people differently. Yeah, it does. Like, I mean, it hits a lot of people. Some people might not even fucking feel don't it. Don't even know they have like, it. Yeah. When we're looking at this, and this is where I'm at. It's like when I when I started, I'm a little bit more. I don't want to say jaded now, but when I started, I was like, you know, like I'm looking out for me. I'm looking out for my wife always. Like mm-hmm. I'm still looking out for my wife and right. me always. If somebody wants to tell me that they expect me to be just you, you cannot work for two weeks if you get COVID, right? Fuck you. I, I want my fucking old fashioned. <laughs> like one, fuck you. That's bullshit. Like, like if you're talking about, oh, we're going to fucking, we're America. We're so fucking good. It's like, bro, fuck you. You're the reason we're trash right now. And the second part of that is like, it's, it's literally a minor inconvenience for you to have to wear a mask and then continue to drink your alcohol <laughs> or, or eat your food or whatever. It yeah, is. I know. Like, that's all it is. Like that's all it's it is. It's a minor inconvenience, but then don't you also understand and see it like how ridiculous it is that you're forced to wear a mask inside this restaurant, but as soon as you sit down, percent. you can take it off. Thousand percent. So like what are we doing here? But also like, bro, <laughs> if I don't pay my mortgage, I get kicked the fuck out of my house, right? Oh, I'm not saying you, know you I mean? like, No, I'm saying you're you're tough you're putting a tough spot where you're being told oh, you have percent. to do this. I mean like the amount of bullshit that But the thing that's so ridiculous about it is like this. It's, yeah, it's like why? What are we doing this for? Like, 100%. why? It's just it's it's for optics and make people feel good. Just like, like, get it together and don't kick people out. They shit and then figure it the fuck out. But yeah. unfortunately, America runs as a fucking business, and that's not a very profitable business plan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that's where we're at. But if you look at it, it's like that's that's where my problem is right now. Is like, listen, if you don't want to get vaccinated, that is absolutely your fucking choice, mm-hmm. right? Nobody can take that away from you just as much as I can't stop you from. You know, what What the fuck ever else you want to do? If you mm-hmm. want to go fucking rob a bank, you can go do that too. Mm-hmm. There are repercussions for that. Right. And frankly, if you want to just not abide by what most of other people that are trying to be respectful and... I don't think most people are taking it, though. I think the numbers are opposite. I think most people are not vaccinated. I think... I would... I hope not. That's I think that... I think... It's insane. I think it's less than... I think it's way below 50% of people are, are vaccinated. Everywhere. I think nas- nationally. I think... I could be wrong. I haven't looked at the numbers in a few weeks, but I want to say it was like lower 40s, maybe I mean, upper 30%. Somebody asked me about it, right? And they were like, well, don't you have any worries about it? I was like, bro, I've done drugs. <laughs> I, I do not fucking care about a vaccine, dude. Right. Like, I just don't. And and whatever. Maybe I believe in science or whatever the fuck that means. Doesn't matter to me. My, my context is I have to deal with the public for my job. Yeah. That is what I do. Me taking every precaution I can to make sure I'm not fucking dying in the fucking wind or I'm not able to take care of me and my wife because mm-hmm. that's my prerogative is what I'm going to do. And, you know, if you don't want to do that, that's fucking fine. You don't have to. Mm. But don't be surprised if I'm laughing at you when you're fucking dying. Right. Facts. I get that. Like, I get that. I saw this, uh, this doctor uh, did a an opinion piece the other day of I'm, I'm losing compassion for the people that are unvaccinated dying. It's hard, man. It's fine, but I mean, do you have compassion for smokers that get lung cancer? Do you get? Do you have compassion for the fat people that are getting heart disease and, and diabetes? Like, it's hard, man. It's it's fucking hard because that. Yeah. And again, this is the unfortunately the like the political spectrum we're in right now is like, you can't just be like, like you can't just be mild. You can't just be like, oh well, I just didn't want to do that. It's like <laughs> it's like at no point should like have like a vaccine become a political fucking hot point. Like it should have just been like, yeah, it should have been like, Oh man, that's kind of a miracle of science. Maybe sort of. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, 
it shouldn't be political, but it certainly is. But it was made political. I mean, the media's made it political. Uh, they need clickbait. They need sensationalism. They need fear. So I think all, all, all of that has been ramped up so much that it's become political. You know, I think Trump broke a lot of people's brains. Mm, yeah. And, and like, <laughs> like people can't think straight now without him. And, and now you see some of the things that you weren't allowed to say when Trump was president. All of a sudden, now you're allowed to say. That's wild. It's unbelievable. It's, we're just, that's what I'm saying about, I just see if we were reading the book of the fall of America, I think this is a big chapter. We're like, oh, shit, shit's starting yeah, to get right, real. What's going to happen? Fucking, you know what I mean? Starting to get a little squirrely, man. Yeah. I don't know. It's crazy. I definitely, uh, I generally tend not to get crazy political with uh, most of my stuff because like, I'll go, I bartend. Like, I'm not trying to have a fucking political conversation. Right. You got to make drinks. You can't dump, have a 40-minute conversation. Like, dump on. alcohol on top of that. You see what happens. But it's right. like, yo, man, like, listen, I operate on respect always. Right. If you want to be respectful towards me then you know there's a set of parameters like yeah. you know unfortunately that's what that's how that's how we have evolved into our world right now mm -hmm. it's not like i can just be like oh yeah whatever dude it's cool like give me all the covid it'll be super tight whatever it's like <laughs> we're seeing breakthrough cases we're seeing all this bullshit and it's like listen again you know if you want to go whatever again i don't like saying back to normal because back to normal we still have plenty of problems to deal with then. It wasn't like we were ah, living in this right. ideal society. I just think they mean no masks and living yeah. life normal. And just like doing going, whatever, doing whatever. Not the fuck. acting yeah. like everybody's a goddamn disease. I mean, that's how we're acting now. I think we're all acting like everybody's sick. We're assuming everybody's sick. No, 100%. It's right. weird. Or like, I mean, again, that's very like paranoid behavior, but that's also, that's also America. America's really susceptible to this shit. Like, yeah. like we live in a state where, where concealed carry... You don't need a permit for, right? You need a permit for it here. No. You gotta take a class. Nope. What? I can't just carry a gun right now. No. I have a gun. I can't just take it out. If I get caught with it, I'm in trouble. You can conceal carry in Kansas City. No permit. No, you have to have a CCW. Uh, uh, nope. No, you don't. I'm gonna check the laws on that. Google I, it, I will. And I will I'm, Google it. I'll check I'm, it out because I'd be very surprised because I don't have my CCW, but I do have weapons. I'd I'm be very you. shocked if I took one of them if I and I got caught with it. And I didn't have, I believe I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm skeptical. I'm like, I'm shocked again, is all. I'm not saying that, I don't believe when, you. When we say, when we say that paranoid mentality, yeah. that's America. Yeah. Like that's, that's who we are. Well, with good reason. I mean, in some context. Yeah. But like, that's what happens when you build it the way it's built. You know what I mean? Like it's an experiment. Uh, it's a weird one, man. It's a weird one, but it's a pretty good one. I mean, I still adhere by like, I think America should have been about four separate countries. We just didn't get the memo that like giant mountains mean it's a border, generally speaking. Yeah. <laughs> Rivers and borders. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Like most other European countries you see, it's like, okay, these big ass mountains, let's just not go over those. Well, that's because they like, were <laughs> they were ruled by kings and queens and and, and, and empires 100%. forever. And we there was nothing over here but but Indians. Yeah, but the natives, man. And and again, that's it's that same thing where it's like you know, even then you have different tribes that inhabit different areas of these places. Right. And they all have a different system of government. They have oh, a different yeah. system of like what they're doing. Economics were obviously different. Like even in those forms. Well, I don't think they had economics back then. But then it's like, we just roll through and we're like, ah, yeah, mountains, we'll climb those river, big ass river. We'll cross that. And not and only that, but we were like, not only are we going to take that mountain, we're going to blast holes and put a train right through the middle yeah, of it. Crazy shit. Pretty crazy. It's pretty cool though. Absolutely crazy. I mean, that shit's pretty dope. Human I mean, it's, ingenuity. It's definitely, it's definitely crazy to go see. Like I, like I went up to, um, 
Mount Rushmore years ago. Oh, nice. I, I lived out there. It was interesting, man. Like, because you go through the Black Hills, right? Love the Black and Hills. Oh. It is some of the most eerily, like, I don't use the word spiritual that often, but it was like, I rolled through it like five in the morning. Sun's coming up. There's like mist everywhere. Deers are fucking around, like running around everywhere. And you get why somebody could hold that land sacred. Mm-hmm. You understand why somebody could be like, oh, wow, 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 wow. Right? Especially back then when it was like just thousands of buffalo. 100%. And, and then it's elk. like, let's go throw some white dudes' faces up on this mountain. Let's get it. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's crazy. I mean, and, and again, you know, that's part of our history that we have. But it's it's so stunning. And again, my mom's raised me pretty like out there. Like she's big pagan lady, a lot of Native American influence um, as far as her like religious beliefs go and stuff like that, like taking care of the earth, stuff like that. So, um, and again, that's speaking in general. That's my mom's interpretation of it. Let's just get that out the way. Not that that's fucking accurate, but you know, I grew up having this kind of appreciation for nature and, and again, living in the town that we grew up in super small, you kind of have these like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very interesting to see like that. And then the juxtaposition of like Western civilization, like imposing itself on nature. And again, growing up in the town we grew up in it, the nature is a lot more in your face than it is, you know, in a major city. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's a trip to bears are out there eating murder victims. Uh, uh, (laughs) Like, like I've been like five foot away from a bear in my life. You know what I mean? It's, and even then there are black bears out there. Black bears. Yes, sir. Uh, it is crazy. Bears are intense. Like if you just smell a bear, I know that sounds weird, but if you smell a wild animal, it is so crazy. And a bear is so like just the presence of a bear, the way the sun hits its fur, the way it smells, the way it just like, like the way it's like, like smells and sees and moves is like, it's crazy. I mean, it's I'd a, love to see a bear. I love hunting. I'm a big bow hunter, and mm-hmm. I've never seen a bear before. I think that'd be really cool. It's, it's wild, dude. I mean, like, and again, we had to like bear proof all of our trash cans up there because it was like, yeah, they'll just roll in, rip shit apart. But it's like, it, it's intense, man. And and again, my family, a lot of hunters in my family. My grandfather hunted. You know, you, know, you see a, a full grown deer laid out. You know, whitetail. Yeah, that's a huge animal. And again, if, yeah. you, if you don't grow up seeing that and you just see it on the television or you see it, you know, whatever, driving driving out in the country and it's, you know, a couple hundred yards off or mm-hmm. whatever, it's a very different experience than, than seeing something face-to-face for mm-hmm. sure. It's pretty wild. Yeah. I love it. I love nature. I love hunting. I love all that stuff. Uh, well, I know you got to get to work. Yes, sir. We could probably keep going for another however long. This was a lot of fun, Curtis. Hey, dude, I really appreciate you. man coming and do this for me. we barely even got to talk about anything what you do um you're just a badass bartender here in kansas city as far as i can tell always man working at some of the the most prestigious bars here i'll do a little i'll do a little shameless plug yeah quick. do a shameless plug so, and we'll get out of here uh i'm the director of the parlor at monarch that's our private room in the back if you ever want to come spend a whole bunch of money i got a couple six thousand dollars bottles back there um we're trying to elevate how people drink concept contextually of an experience of what a bar is. Uh, private rooms are supposed to be the pinnacle, so I'm trying to be the pinnacle. Um, again, I concentrate on spirits. That's kind of my my forte, if you will. Um, I really like focusing up on what we're using, why we're using it, who's making it, like how are they making it, versus 
a lot of what mainstream bartending is, which is just like, here, this cocktail tastes good. Here, it's to you. Mm-hmm. I want to slow it down. I want <clears> you to take a little bit more time to respect what's going on, respect the art, respect the art of me and the craft of the, the spirit we're using. If you have something that's a 35-year-old Scotch whiskey in your hand, it's not the same as slam them back, you know, a, a Jack and Jack Coke. Jack Daniels. You know what I mean? Or whatever, whatever your poison is, right? But uh, I work there. I also work over at Vertigree, which is on the Leewood side. Uh, I just bartend over there. My duties are a little less, but always a boss in my own right. Uh, we just do a little bit more casual, laid-back atmosphere than uh, Monarch in the, in the parlor. But uh, we try and keep it beautiful cocktails, excellent execution, all that stuff. I mean, uh, the, the core tenets of bartending. Be hospitable, have fun, make people have a good time. One of my favorite drinks is an old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. And you made one of the best old-fashions I ever had. Facts. And then the first time I met you, you were talking about scotch. And I was like, I don't really like scotch. It's too peaty, whatever. It's like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. hold on. That's what everybody says. But I got something for you. And then you laid some Lafroy, uh, not Lafroy, uh, Dalmore, I think. Dal- it was. Yeah, yeah, Dalmore. Yep. And I was like, oh my God, I do like scotch now. Like, it's so good. How do you go from, I mean, you're not, you're sober, you're not drinking this shit. How do you know what's tasting good and how, like, is it just. So, so I'll still taste and spit. Okay. I was going to ask. Okay. So, I mean, I, I, and again, everybody's own, like with, with addiction, everybody's is different. So your comfort level is going to be different Mm -hmm. too. I, early on in my quitting of drinking, um, you know, I didn't go to bars for maybe like six months just because I wasn't comfortable and you know, all my friends still drank going out party and having fun and i got to a point with them where i was like listen am i am i going to cut these people out of my life because i'm not comfortable around them they've been ride or die for 10 years Mm -hmm. and then i figured no you're they're not the ones that get chased by the police (laughs) you you know try and fight people and pull a knife out and shit like they're not they're not those people like they they go out have some drinks and then maybe they got in a fight with their girlfriend it's rocky for a day or two whatever like that's normal that's normal behavior so if you're gonna if you're gonna be with them you need to figure out how to be with them and how to be comfortable in those situations and that's when i learned you know you can leave if everybody's too drunk just peace out you don't gotta stay there's no no no, like what is that fomo or whatever they call it Mm -hmm. like fear of missing out Mm -hmm. you don't have to have that Mm -hmm. so uh Part of that, after I got to a certain comfortability with that, was, oh, I really love this stuff. Like, I, I love whiskey. Like, not only do I, I love being drunk, because realistically, if I could be drunk right now and have no repercussions, bring it on. That would be nice. But, uh, unfortunately for me, that's not an option. Right. So, how do, I, how do I appreciate it? And really, once I got more into, like, the craft side of cocktailing, because for a long time, I was just doing dive bars, clubs, like, you want 85 vodka sodas? Boom, I got you. Let's mm-hmm. go. Um, but when I started getting more into like the craft side of it, where you start tasting more Amaros, you start tasting the single malts, you start tasting more bourbons. Um, bourbons where I started and then just it morphed into this very uh, hard obsession with uh, single malt. But uh, the more you get around it, and again, my, my gut reaction is like, oh, I want to taste this. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I want to see what this is about. I want to understand it. In that context, it's like, if you're if you're enjoying that and you can enjoy it and you don't have to drink it mm-hmm. again and i'll do a little taste and i just get a spit cup i okay. look like a psycho when i go to bars i'll tell you right now because generally people think i'm asking for cha like a like a like a dip cup right and i'm like i promise it's not for that <laughs> like i promise you it's not gonna be gross but you know i'll go out to bars and realistically 
you know, I only need maybe a quarter ounce of liquor to really like coat my palate and figure out what it's about. And then I'll just give the rest of that pour to whoever I'm with. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. I mean, obviously a little weirder nowadays that we're uh, back into COVID and everything. I'll but, drink from you. But it's like, you know, when if I'm going out, I'm probably getting a nice pour of whiskey and I'm probably just going to give it to you. Nice. Like, so for me, it's like that's how I that's how I train my palate one because to taste something or to sell something, you got to know it. Right? right. Like if I tell you, you know, one thing I always tell people is like taste is subjective to mm-hmm. to a very large degree. So you can't always uh, you're you may not be on the same resonance level as far as like where that person's palate is. But if you can understand where their palate is, you can bring them to a better understanding of something that they may not have an idea of. And that's with anything in life. I mean, that's that's bringing something down to making it understandable to a level. There's plenty of stuff in this world that I don't understand. Like, you know, when I was applying for the house, my wife did all the money talking. I was like, I have this money. Take it, you sons of bitches. And they were like, uh, it's not. Don't work right. like that. Yeah, well, this is like factor. And I'm like, I don't understand what that means. And my wife would come in do nice. the thing, right? So for me, it's that same level where it's like, you know, plenty of people know what bourbon tastes like. Mm-hmm. I always say this. Bourbon is liking rock and roll right like i just like listening to rock and roll and scotch or single malt as a whole more predominantly scotch in this case is liking specifically the rolling stones or specifically Jimi hendrix because it itches that scratch that you like about it it's, it's more about you liking that distillery than it is liking a style mm. and that's the beautiful part of scotch it's way more expressive of a of like a style of spirit than bourbon is and whatever bourbon people probably get mad that I said that I don't really care mm-hmm. the prom the premise that you have an entire country that produces it and you have different regions that have different terroir aspects of it is automatically more interesting to me that doesn't mean that bourbon drinkers have to like anything that they don't want to like that's not the case you can love bourbon all you want I just find personally something that is big time smoky iodine heavy funky as hell is far more interesting to my palate than, you know, bourbon number 10. Right. And again, that's not to say that bourbon can't be beautiful or that it's, you know, a lesser spirit. I just think single malt's more interesting to me. And especially with the prices that you're seeing for bourbon right now, non-age statement stuff going for over $1,000, you can kick rocks with that. I can get literal age statement scotch for the same price. And and I think bang for buck-wise... You're getting better quality stuff out of Scotland. You have the ability to cask finish things, which is uh, generally not allowed in America to be called bourbon. Part of the uh, prerequisites is that it doesn't have any coloring or additives, and that can be uh, food coloring, like E150A, or it can be coloring from like barrels, like if you were to use like a wine cask finish, right? And that's also considered flavor. Mm-hmm. If you look at like Angel's Envy, it says Kentucky straight bourbon finished in pork casks or rum casks or whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? That's a legal designation. They're setting a precedent of what that product is. Basically, a label is a contract. Oh, wow. Right? So it's basically if you are falsely advertising, you can get sued. Right? Okay. That makes so sense. So if yeah. you want to see who really produces some of your favorite bourbons or some of your favorite you know, whiskeys or whatever it is, look on the back. If it says distilled by Angel's Envy, blah, 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 here's their DSPKY number, right? If it says that, they made it. If it says hand-bottled produced by any of that bullshit that means they are probably sourcing it or having it contract distilled which is about the same thing they're buying pre-made juice it can be pre-aged or just neutral make and then they can be aging it themselves barrel finishing whatever 
Um, that's not inherently wrong or bad. Uh, it depends on what they are charging you and how transparent they are with the information. In Scotland, there's a very rich history of producing whiskey independently. So um, they call them uh, independent bottlers. Basically, you'll have a family or you know a, a company that will go, oh, well, we bought this, uh, we bought a, a cask from Macallan, right? It's gonna, we think it should sit a little bit longer, but it's really good. We're gonna put it in a port cask. We're gonna release it under, you know, uh, you know, blah blah blah, uh, incorporated. And here's what we did to it. Here's how old it is. Here's where it's from. Or even if it's, you know, sometimes they have relationships where they need to be a little bit more discreet for whatever business reasons that they have, and they'll say, it, "Oh, it's this Highland, esteemed Highland malt, or whatever it okay. is." Traceability and transparency is always key. And it's one thing that America loves to avoid. <laughs> Always. I mean, like, it's weird, too, because you have. <laughs> That's so true with everything. Oh, it's like mar- <laughs> marketing is really our gift to the world in a lot of cases. Like, you look at some of the major uh, whiskey brands that have gotten in trouble over the years as far as their practices go. Like, um, Templeton got nailed uh, 2016, something like that. There's a lot of these companies that, like, will tell you this really flowery story about like, oh, my granddaddy used to have a prohibition and da 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 da, right, da and all this right. stuff, right? And it's like, okay, that's great. Does that mean anything? Because right now what you're telling me is you made this whiskey because that's literally everything you just said is it's based on a family recipe and da-da-da-da-da and all this crap, right? And then you're suddenly coming at me with, oh, well, uh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about where I get it from. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, okay, we like – sourcing it's not the problem it's you trying to make like whiskey is not an instant money thing it's not a quick money spirit like you can't just make whiskey happen it has to sit it has to age Mm -hmm. and if you don't want to wait that time then you're 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 screwed like you you're going to take an ulterior motive to make that product and part of prohibition that was negative is like a lot of those things closed down you know what i mean like you have eight companies that survive Prohibition, and guess who has most of the shareholdings in a lot of whiskey right now? <laughs> Those eight. Those eight companies. <laughs> like, you look at the 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 OGs, right? You look at uh, like the stuff that goes crazy right now, right? Pappy's, George Stag, all the all the B Tax series. That's all produced by one company, and that's the Sazerac company. That's Buffalo Trace. If you think that one company controlling probably like eighty five percent of the premium market for bottles that go over 200 300 400 dollars is like acceptable in any way shape or form uh-huh. that's embarrassing to me you know what i mean like there's plenty of other bourbons out there that are phenomenal and to be honest with you i don't even think most bourbons over 12 years to me 8 to 12 years for a bourbon is like perfect and again if it's a young spirit because of the climate and that's just how it tastes good mm-hmm. like you know i've had rums that are you know, rum you can drink unaged and it's fantastic if it needs to be 15 years for scotch or whatever it is, like I'm all about tasting different expressions. But when you start going like, oh yeah, it's it's three grand on secondary market for a bottle of Pappy. Like I know what that costs and what you can buy like money wise for things that have way more terroir, way more pedigree. You know what I mean? Like, and if you get into the wine world, it's the same thing. Like mm-hmm. scotch starts to get there. I won't say it's fully into there, but single malt is produced everywhere in the world you have different styles of production throughout the world. So innately, you will have more of a terroir-driven aspect. You are distilling, so you're removing a lot of the alive elements in there that you get with wine, and that's what really drives most of terroir. 
but you know, you get into like some wine bottles and you're like, you know, you're, you're shelling out like six That's figures. 100%. Yeah. But I mean, again, like with some of the Scotch distilleries, because they have that pedigree, because they've been distilling for so long, because they didn't have as strict a form of prohibition, they basically had an excise tax law. But as because you have the right kind of political climate to thrive in, right? Wow. You you don't have these things. You have these houses that are uninterruptedly producing whiskey for, you know, hundreds of years in some case, like Lafroig, 200 years, uh, Lagavulin, 200 years. A lot of these companies were, uh, you know, founded like early 1700s sometimes. I mean, they've been doing it a long time over there. So there's this kind of like, there's a pedigree that comes with that and there's a consistency that comes with that versus the kind of like spikes we see with bourbon. You basically have- okay. You have pre-prohibition, people are drinking like crazy. Prohibition, nothing, right? Or at least underground. Right. Then you have boom back when prohibition ends. And then you have the 80s happen. And then everything takes a nosedive. And then you have the 90s. Why? Cocaine? <laughs> well, think about like the, the people that were drinking in the 80s didn't want to drink what dad was drinking. And what dad was drinking was bourbon. So you basically have this rejection of tradition okay. into this new sense. That's when you start to have high fructose uh, corn syrup introduced into everything before that you still have pretty much like fresh a lot of fresh uh, uh fresh fruit fresh juices in bars but once people start going oh well there's this like shelf stable commodity that you can just hold it's called sour mix you know yep. like late 70s you start to see that shifting in oh. but once you see all that you start having people that are like well i don't want to drink bourbon i want to drink flavored vodka i mean that's when that's when flavored vodka takes off you have all these crazy drinks like you know uh uh, Long Islands and Harvey Wallbangers and all these like getting sweeter and away from the spirit more. And in the context of that, it makes sense. Like that was the eighties is insane. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was born in the eighties and it seems insane from the, the viewpoint I have. Right. <laughs> but in through the nineties, you know, I remember Zima commercials, like I do too. Yeah. Swordfish in an alley. Whoa. Crazy. <laughs> right. So it's that same thing where it's like, you have this rejection of that. You have the rejection of, tradition still coming through the coming through the 90s drinking you know like hard sell like that's the way this hard seltzer shit bothers me i'm not truly not remember this shit but it's that same thing where it's like you're you're rejecting this kind of like oh well this is what you know the old people drink scotch and like you know i think we're trying to break down a lot of those barriers of like you know bourbon shouldn't just be a rich old guy club there's plenty of there's plenty of black history in there that goes with all the production methods because fucking that's who was involved with it. Same with Scotch, you know, like one of uh, a buddy of mine is one of the ambassadors for Ardbeg and he's the he's one of the, I think he's the only black Scotch ambassador right now. Um there's a local lady named Tracy Franklin Tracy Franklin, pardon me, that was the uh ambassador for Glenfiddich for a long time. Oh nice. Um making sure that you like and again it's like you have to have full context for all this stuff, but people should be passionate about what they want to be passionate about for sure. And understanding the history that goes behind all these spirits is absolutely, absolutely necessary. Like to me, it's, it, you can't have just this like weird, well, everybody just drinks vodka now, you know, no, everybody <laughs> drinks vodka because vodka didn't hit the U S market until 1954. Wow. The first, that's the first time American wow. America advertised vodka. Huh. And you know, like that's, that's really the aspect of it you have rich histories with all these other things. America used to produce a ton of rum back in the day, ton of apple brandy and really distilling. When you break it down is a conversion 
of basically it's a transference of energy, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're transmuting something that is uh, spoilable into something that is stable, mm-hmm. right? Because, I mean, essentially, if you have good cork integrity, like no oxidation, and you're not in, like, big heat fluctuations or direct sunlight, you can store alcohol spirits forever. Like, I mean, that's why you see some of these bottles that come out, you know, like that'll go for, like, crazy numbers. Whoa. But versus wine where you're fighting the natural uh, turning of wine into vinegar. Right. You're, you're trying to catch it at this lightning point where it's perfect, mm-hmm. right? And it's still alive. It still has active yeast cultures and all that stuff. But also understanding the history that goes behind all those things, one, allows you to look into why it's special, what makes it cool, but it also allows you to learn a shitload about history as a whole. Oh, yeah. Like, you look at, like, especially in, like, wine, like, half of wine drinking or being, like, a sommelier is literally just understanding how it's been made for thousands of years or, or hundreds of years or whatever the case is. It's that same premise when you get into like any spirits. And I think, you know, you don't have to think of it that way either. Like as long as you can appreciate something because it's beautiful, great. <laughs> but if you are like me and you're going to dive into like, why is this this way? Like, and again, I think that goes back to my personality of being more of an addict mm-hmm. and having that like drive to be like, no, I need to, f- I need to find <laughs> everything out about this. Like what is about this? That to me is always, I, I, anytime I can turn somebody onto that and show them something new and show them why it's beautiful is always a, always my end goal for sure. That was a really long answer for the question of how do you taste your alcohol? Right. Thank you, Curtis. <laughs> that was awesome. I appreciate you so much, man. This was a lot of fun. Hey, pleasure was all mine, man. Bye.